Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. So did you watch it? Did you sit up and watch it from start to finish? Have you made up your mind on who's right and who's wrong? Whose side are you on? Who do you think is the hidden Buckingham House racist? Who is the Buckingham Palace racist? Because we're being told it is definitely not the Queen. It is definitely not Prince Philip. And we know that over the years, Prince Philip has said some fairly daft things. But... It's not him. So who is it? And they say they're not going to tell us. And Harry insists that he's not even going to relay the conversation. Who is it? And what did you think of the interview? And whose side are you on? That's all to come. Also, this morning, I am celebrating. And I think anybody who believes that Cork can defeat this damn virus celebrated yesterday evening with a little fist bump. Our first zero COVID day in Cork for months and months and months. By my calculation, you'd have to go back. You'd probably have to go back to the summer or very early autumn before we had a zero COVID day in Cork. And we had one yesterday. We're getting there. And on the way the numbers are going, we will easily be at what qualifies to be zero COVID in Cork by Easter. It's on its way. We're getting there. So I'll give you those numbers and look at them in a bit more detail later on this hour. But first of all, good morning to you. 1850 the number to call. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Loads to come, as I said. But I want to start in the courts where a 51-year-old woman who confessed to distributing child pornography was jailed for nine months. The sentencing judge expressed concern after being told that this woman had worked in a creche in Cork for three years. Her name was Evelyn Adji, I hope I have it right, with an address at an apartment in Clifton Terrace, Summerhill North, originally from Nigeria. She worked in a creche as a childminder and she was convicted of distributing child porn. Anne Mooney of the Irish Sun. Anne, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Take us through this case, please. Well, um, the, uh, Evelyn Aji, uh, who you said was 51 and is a mother of uh, four or five and a grandmother of, I think, eight uh, grandchildren, 
um, was before the district court yesterday, uh, where she had pleaded guilty to three charges uh, in connection with child pornography. Um, I suppose the, which occurred in September and October uh, of uh, 2019. I suppose that the unusual aspect of this PJ was that it wasn't on the computer and it wasn't, uh, you know, the usual uh, type of, of um, child porn distribution cases that we normally associate and hear about in the courts because in actual fact this one was connected to a WhatsApp group right. Um and apparently um, she received the, these three videos uh, which uh, showed uh, the abuse of, uh, of a baby and of a young boy under 12. Um, and she proceeded to, uh, to pass them on uh, to other members of the group whom we were told are based in uh, Spain, in uh, Italy and in her own native uh, Nigeria. Um, and uh, the, uh, the the crime came to light um, when it was uh, flagged by the Association for uh, Missing and Exploited Children, and it was also flagged surprisingly by Google. Um, and the, no- the authorities here were notified and mm. proceeded to uh, go to her um, her house uh, in um in Summerhill North and uh, they seized her Samsung Galaxy phone um and discovered the vile videos and I'm, I'm, we did hear that they were exceptionally um vile yeah. um yeah. in terms of uh, child porn high end of the scale is what would generally be described yes yeah. yes which would indicate that they were just awful that um, you know, effectively, you any normal person wouldn't really want to view them. Um, let alone in, pass them on. Let alone pass them on, and you know, in a case like this, if if um, if there is, you know, if you do receive peculiar things on your your phone, or uh, you know, your first instinct should be to immediately delete them. Um, but in this case, they were sent on to other people. We didn't get any indication of how many. Um, but anyway, um, she did plead guilty uh, to the, the, the three charges in the district court. And um, Judge Olin Kelleher expressed deep concern about it. Now, she did claim that she kind of didn't know what she was doing. But effectively, it was done on two different occasions in September and October. Um, and the judge, Judge Olin Kelleher, said that um, as far as he was concerned, it was obvious that she did know what she was doing, and he felt that um, in in to to mark uh, how severe, how bad it was, and um, uh, to, for the protection of victims, he sentenced her to um, to to nine months in prison, um, which is. Which is fairly considerable, considering that she um, that she has uh, at this stage got quite severe health problems in terms of arthritis, and she was did come in walking with a stick, mm. um, and she hasn't been well. But um, but the judge certainly uh, imposed a sentence that was reflective of the severity of, yeah. of what had come it, before. It's him. worth pointing out, isn't it, Anne? Like that was nine months out of a maximum under the circumstances in the district court of twelve. Of 12 months, that's exactly it, BJ. And he had also said that uh, when he got uh, preliminary evidence on this in, in a, at a previous court hearing, he had indicated that he would not 
take the case and would instead send it forward to the Circuit Criminal Court if um, if he if there wasn't a guilty plea in the case. And obviously there there would have been uh, more severe penalties imposed. Um, so I, I, the the sentence was imposed, <clears throat> but after afterwards um, she did manage to get a cash. There was an, um, an application for a leave to appeal, which was granted. Uh, the severity of the sentence, and um, she did come up with, I think, 500 euro in cash as cash bail, and uh, so was released on bail pending, an pending appeal. the appeal. And that'll be to the circuit court, I assume, in the fullness of time, Anne. Yes. Yeah. yes. Judge Kelleher did raise concerns about where she had been working in the course of all of this. Uh, he did, yes. That she had been working in a crash. Uh, we didn't get any indication as to where she, what crash she had been working in or what sort of job she had been doing there. Uh, but certainly it had, come, it had come out in evidence that she was a crash worker. Uh, for three three years from, I think, 2012 to 2015, um, and that she had to quit the job because of uh, health problems. Um, and again, I suppose that, you know, he, he he did express concern over the fact that she had been working in the crash, yeah. which, is, which is always a concern when people, um, you know, are convicted of child pornography. Now, the time she worked in a crash was, was before these offences, the time well prior to these offences. And before, yeah. yes, and before they, there had been any flashing warning lights yeah. on an international basis coming up um, with regard to any activity of that okay. kind. All right. Interesting case though, Anne, and seeing as it's going to go to the circuit court now on appeal, probably best to leave it there and come back to it on another day. Thank you very much. Anne Mooney uh, from The Sun on the case of Evelyn Adji. Um Convicted and jailed, pleaded guilty, in fact, and jailed for nine months at Cork District Court, out of a maximum of 12 allowable to Judge Olin Kelleher, uh, immediately appealing the severity of the sentence, but jailed for nine months. In what Judge Kelleher says, and I'm reading this from the examiner, where Liam Heelan has the story today, uh, Judge Kelleher said, it's a very serious case. It's the most serious case that came before the court today. The DPP had said the case could go only on plea guilty, which is what was before the court yesterday. 1850-715-996. Who is the Buckingham Palace racist? Who raised the question about the colour of Archie's skin? And why are Meghan and Harry prepared to go so far and no further? Have you any theories that interview, by the way, and just before I go into any detail of it, that interview could never have been recorded and broadcast in that form in the UK. Under the American defamation and libel laws, they're a lot easier. You can say an awful lot more in America. You can't say it here. There would have been injunctions right, left and centre. You'd have had to stand up and a lot of those allegations with proof before you go to where the editors of the programme would have had to be able to stand up those accusations if challenged under British and not to mind Irish law, which is a hell of a lot more strict. But under the American defamation and libel laws, much easier to say the kind of things that were said. But who is that person? They've said it's not the Queen. They've said it's not Prince Philip. Who is it? 
You'd have to wonder, wouldn't you? That and more next. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. So the commute home might be a little bit different these days, but I've still got everything you need right here in the show, like celebrity interviews. I toured with Sam Smith and the whole night pretty much consisted of piano and Sam Smith wearing a Beyonce wig. You get to pick the playlist on the takeover. I'd love to hear the new song from 1975. And competitions to make you do this. <laughs> I'll talk to you weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Cleaner says, PJ, the British royal family have nothing to do with Ireland, so please stop giving these two petulant attention seekers airtime. Can you not find something worthwhile in all that's going on in our country and in the world? Well, Cleaner, here is the thing. It's the biggest non-COVID news story of the year, and it'll take some beating as a non-COVID news story of the year. You may agree or disagree But when you tell me that the British royal family have nothing to do with Ireland, well, you're half right. And I would have completely agreed with you until I was in the English market a number of years ago. And I saw the crowds and I saw the respect is probably the word. I I saw the fascination that people of Cork had with the royal family, with the Queen and Prince Philip. And I was standing behind Pat O'Connell's counter when that very famous photograph was taken. And I can tell you, Cleon, that the interest was hot. People were fascinated with that visit. And when Meghan and Harry came to Ireland, they were fascinated with that visit. And when William and Kate came to Ireland, they were fascinated with that visit. We, the Irish people turn up in large numbers when there is a member of the royal family in town. It's just a thing. And when you talk about royal weddings, when you have ballrooms in hotels booked out for dinner and prosecco and lunch and finger food and all, and people in their finery watching royal weddings and go, I, I saw it, I was there. So yes, Cleaner, there's huge fascination with the royal family. I'm going to hold off on it though for a second because I forgot to do the numbers. And yesterday we had a wonderful, wonderful day. A wonderful day. We had our first zero COVID day in Cork for many, many months. I, I couldn't tell you when. You'd probably have to go back to the autumn. The early, early, early autumn. Maybe even back further to find our last zero COVID day in Cork. A zero COVID day in the county is classed as any day where the number of new infections is less than five. Because the infection numbers are so small you can't list them. But it's, it, there is such a thing as a day where it's just a flat zero. And they're even better days. But yesterday was a day when our numbers across Cork City and County for half a million people was less than five new infections, which is brilliant. That's a zero COVID day. Now, I guess it comes with a caveat because Monday figures can be a little bit off. The reason being 
that the Monday figures are compiled and closed off on Sunday. The figures were a day before. So the figure you got yesterday was the figure from Sunday infections. And because things can be a little more lax on a Sunday in labs and testing centres, it could be a bit off. We'll get a, a more accurate one today. But at least we had a zero COVID day. Our five-day average in new cases in Cork for the last five days is 19. Now that is phenomenally low for a population of half a million people. Our 14-day figure per 100,000 of population is 54, which again is really, really low. It's the lowest in the country. Second lowest, actually. Kilkenny is the only one now slightly lower than us uh, as of yesterday's Neffet press release. Kilkenny is the lowest on 52. That's right, 52. And we have 54. Kerry, 66. So it's between Cork and Kilkenny uh, taking the bottom of the table right now. Let us go back a month, though. Let us come back a month to the 9th of February. And this is how dramatic it's been. We're on the 9th of March now. And our 14-day average is 295. In February, the 9th of February, it was 1,327 was our 14-day caseload. 265 per 100K. So that's what? That's five times what it was yesterday in a month. So we've gone down by four-fifths or more in, in, in a month. Go back to the 9th of January. Are you ready for this? Our 14-day figure on the 9th of January was 7,207 cases. So we've gone from 7,207 to 295 in two months, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And on those figures and on those calculations, and with the caveat that yesterday could have been a bit off because of it being Sunday's numbers, we can still be well down, well down, to a single 14-day figure by Easter. We could easily be down to a single 14-day figure by Easter, or at least down to less than two dozen by Easter, which is as close to zero COVID as damn it. But can we get to zero COVID in Cork? We absolutely can. Can we stay there? Well, who knows? With a bit of luck, the few hundred who gathered in Cork City on Saturday afternoon won't change the numbers in two weeks' time, although some of them won't bother testing anyway. These, they're the kind that some of the people, some of the people, some of the people who were in that wouldn't bother their arse getting a test anyway, uh, unless they got really sick. So, you know, that, there's always going to be that cohort. But the numbers are good. The numbers are great. Philip, Philip Nolan um, was saying last evening in the briefing that the numbers are great anyway um, pretty, pretty much across the board We are seeing sustained progress in suppressing transmission perhaps even accelerated progress in suppressing transmission As of now, when we look at seven day average indicators of disease uh, we're at a case count a little bit under uh, 500 cases per day at 485 That remains very high but it's very significant progress when you look back at a week ago, 620, uh, a week before that, 737, a week before that again, 816. So, so case counts have fallen, average case counts have fallen uh, by at least 100 uh, week on week uh, over the last four weeks. As I say, we'll report at greater length on that uh, later in the week. 
We're getting there. We are definitely getting there. 1850-715-996. But back to Meghan and Harry and the interview with Oprah Winfrey. Now, we understand that there was about three and a half hours of film taken and it was edited, with everyone's agreement, down to that two-hour package which would have allowed time for ads and stuff that you saw last night. You, you, you'd see, when you were watching it on RTE, just how many ads the Americans had to sit through. It was two broadcast hours, which would have meant it was probably around, in total, around 80 minutes that was used completely uh, of whatever they filmed. It was filmed in a, in a mutual friend's house, uh, not filmed in Oprah's house or not filmed in their house. Out the back garden, lovely setting, beautiful back garden and all of that. But let us t- look at the big, st- a couple of big stories coming out of it. One is this racist, this racist remark that was made to Megan while she was pregnant. She brought that. Now we we got that in clips released over the weekend. So so let's revisit that. This is the claim that was made about Archie while or well the baby that is now we know to be Archie when Megan was first pregnant. In those months when I was pregnant, all around this same time, so we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? And... Who, who is having that conversation with you? So, um... There is a conversation. Hold up. Hold up. There's Stop several. Right conver- now. There are several conversations. There's a about conversation it. with you, with Harry, about how dark your baby is going to be, potentially, and what that would mean or look like. Ooh. And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation. I think that would be very damaging to them. Okay. I think that would be very damaging to them. So even though they're calling out what someone said, they're not going to name that person. We then learned in an interview that um, Oprah gave to the CBS This Morning program that it wasn't the Queen and it wasn't Prince Philip. So who on earth was it? Now, Oprah wanted to find out who it was. Harry wasn't for telling. That conversation (laughs) I'm never going to share. Um, But at the time... At the time, it was awkward. I was a bit shocked. Um, can, you, can you tell us what the question was? No, I don't, I'm not comfortable sharing that. Okay. Um, but that was, that was right at the beginning, right? Um, like, what will the baby look like? Yeah, what will the kids look like? Yeah, what will yeah. the kids look like? But um, that was right at the beginning when she wasn't going to get security, when members of my family were suggesting that she carries on acting because there's not enough money to pay for her and all this sort of stuff, like... There was some real obvious signs before we even got married that this was going to be really hot. But they still won't name who it was. Who was it? It's, it's clearly someone very close. It seems to be someone right up there at the top of the table, with the exception of the Queen and Prince Philip. Who was it? And why bring it up if you're not going to name them? Why bring it up if you're going to make such a serious claim and then not not name the British paper's full of it this morning the son is asking the question who is the royal racist 
if any newspaper will find out who it is, you may be sure the Sun will. Uh, now, speaking of the press and and the, and the newspapers, it, it came up a number of times during the interview that they were afraid of the press and that the royal family is afraid of the press. And this is interesting. The royal family as a unit, the firm, the institution, as she insisted on calling it for the night, they're afraid of the press. I'm acutely aware of where my family stand and how scared they are of the tabloids turning on them. Turning on them for what? They're the royal family. Yes, but it's um, what's termed or referred to as the invisible contract behind closed doors uh, between the institution and the tabloids, the UK tabloids. How so? Well, it is a, to simplify it, it's a, it's a case of if you, if you as a family member are willing to wine, dine and give full access to these reporters, uh, then you will get better press. What do you care about better press if you're royal? I think everyone needs to have some compassion for, for them in that situation, right? There is a level of control by fear that has existed for generations. So he's suggesting there that the um, Buckingham Palace is beholden to the press and, and has a relationship with the press, which is effectively, please don't do that, and we'll give you a story next week that you can do. And in fact, even though it is dramatised, and increasingly so as the series progresses. Look at The Crown, which we've all watched. Look at the relationship there between the press offices, the communications offices, or comms as they call it, in Buckingham Palace, and the editors of the key newspapers. There was a toing and froing, there was a give and take there. Very much so. Very much so. Harry added to this later in the interview. I asked for calm from the British tabloids once as a boyfriend once as a husband, and then once as a father. So when I ask the question, why did you leave? The simplest answer is? Lack of support and lack of understanding. So I want clarity. Was the move about getting away from the UK press, because the press, is, you know, is everywhere, mm. or was the move because you weren't getting enough support from the firm? It was both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin says there's lots of things to come out of that interview. The accusations of without a name can, can't be proven, so, so it's heresy. Leave that one there. The thing about titles and security, that's not how it works. Harry knows, knows this because he agreed to it, and changes were made way before he met Meghan. The security, well, they're minor royals. Pay for it yourself. Is Meghan the victim? Yes, she's a victim of the UK media who went for her like I've never seen. Multiple reasons for it, colour being one. Being American brings up a past with the institution... Plus, she sells copy. It's not an us versus them, right or wrong issue. It's complex, and you'll only ever hear one side of it because the other side never comments directly. Yeah, the thing about no having, not having titles and, and Archie not being a prince, Archie was never going to be a prince. That's not a story. Archie was never going to be a prince because William and Kate now have a nice little brood around them. William will be king after Charles, We assuming that Charles ascends... The, the throne when his mother's no longer there and then it'll be William's turn and they've enough children to create a king or queen after him so really Harry and Meghan were, were kicked out to touch like you'd kick a rugby ball out to touch a long long time ago and Archie isn't, was never going to be a prince that, that kind of passing of titles down along that stopped a long time ago you could argue well maybe maybe because uh, the Queen has only two grandsons 
that maybe she could have made an exception for Archie. You, you could make that argument, but these kind of things don't happen in the real world. I thought, says this comment, they were having just a good old moan. Yes, there was issues, but they could have been solved. One thing I can't understand, says Eugene, who's running the royal family? If the Queen is the head of the family, how can they still have so much time for her after all those insults fired at them? I do feel Charlie is the bad egg in that basket, the fly in the ointment. He couldn't find his own happiness because he had to toe the line. Now he hates to see Harry not towing the line and being so happy. So he's doing all he can to destroy his happiness. Aileen, I couldn't watch it for more than an hour. It was like two schoolgirls trying to best each other with stories and gossip. She was talking about how it feels to be isolated and alone in the midst of all that finery. She should consider how her sick, ill father getting urgent treatment feels shut out of his daughter's life. After all, he did set her on her path. Uh, But Kate says, and there was a lovely clip, lovely little clip uh, towards the end. It was the first time I've seen a royal child playing on a beach. You never see that. That's the problem with all of them. They don't have an ordinary existence. Of course, then again, Kate, there's nothing to say that Harry himself didn't get to play on the beach when he was a child because, you know, they did take holidays. So he probably did get to play on the beach as a child. 1850-715-996. It is a big one. People are divided on it, very divided on it. Frank, you bad man. I feel sorry for Charles. He raised Harry like he was his own son. Well, to be fair now, when you look at Harry... When you look at Harry in the face for two hours of an evening on your telly, 1850-715-996, staying with this, this interview, the Earl of Spencer have that auburn foxy hair. That's where it comes from, says Kate. Uh, Maeve says there's no winners. It's sad it has to be made so public. Let us... It, it is the big story, as you can imagine. The papers, the British papers, absolutely... Captivated by this story today. And the big question is, who exactly was making those comments? Let's remind us again of Harry's abject refusal to go there. After the story gets out, they just won't go there. That conversation, (laughs) I'm never going to share. Um, But at the time, at the time it was awkward. I was a bit shocked. Um, can, you, can you tell us what the question was? No, I don't, I'm not comfortable sharing that. Okay. Um, but that was, that was right at the beginning, right? Um, like, what will the baby look like? Yeah, what will the kids look like? Yeah. yeah, okay. Now, that forms the front page of The Sun today. Who is the, who is the Buckingham Palace racist or who is the royal racist. Brittany Vonau is the uh, Royal Correspondent of The Sun. Brittany, good morning to you. Good morning. It is the big question, isn't it? Why raise the, why raise the issue if you're not going to name a name? It does make it difficult, doesn't it? And uh, I guess as we've seen before, you know, uh, Megan mentioned the letter, or her family, her friends mentioned her letter that she'd written to Thomas Markle and then that came out and obviously she didn't want it to but that's just, you know, gives an idea that once you hint at something, you know, more more will undoubtedly come out, even if Prince Harry doesn't want it to, um, you know, as to the identity of the person who, who made these comments. Um, we, we know that uh, he later clarified to Oprah that he wanted to make sure that it's not the Queen or uh, Prince Philip who made the comments, but still, 
the question remains. Mm. And the interesting part, she said that she wouldn't name it because it would be very, name the person because it would be very damaging to them. Even though she was so offended by, by the comments, she still wouldn't say who, who said it. It's very interesting. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, and um, she did something similar when she spoke about her um, the incident that happened with uh, Kate Middleton as well, saying she didn't want to go into the details. Yeah. Um, but it does, yeah, as you say, it does make it difficult because, you know, there's a lot of, they've come on the record wanting to tell their side of the story, but we we are left with more questions <laughs> again than, than answers. And it will only serve to, you know, continue to fuel that um, fire and, you know, I'm sure more royal insiders and people will be coming out again, um, you know, over the next few days. What's the reaction like in Britain among, among ordinary folk? And by that I mean, Brittany, the kind of people who don't call radio talk shows or don't go on television. What's their reaction? You know, I, I have been asking um, a lot of my friends being like, what, what do you think about this? Because obviously, you know, as a reporter, you're very in, uh, interested in it yourself. And it seems that it's just left a lot of people feeling quite sad watch, watching the interview. Um, you know, no matter what you might think, it does seem like they really did struggle and it, it's very tough watching someone, you know, talking that, about these mental health issues that Megan says that she faced. That's incredibly sad to see that they felt like they were in that position. Um, but also overall, it just left people, you know, a, a bit confused as well. Yeah. You know, How they don't the, know what to believe. What's the reaction <laughs> to the racism allegations, particularly among people of colour, say? Oh, uh, I mean, I... Can, it's difficult because obviously the US has got huge problems with um, race as well and you know there, there is a lot of uh, you know uh, problems in, in the UK as well with race but um, I guess people don't want to think that that, that would be so institutionalised uh, particularly in the royal family it's something that's um, you know not pleasant and if it is you know if it is something that is uh, uh, present in in the royal family or in the institution it is something that I guess people would like to be would like to be looked at mm. yeah yeah, the the, the the press and, and the, what they say about the press and, and that you know the the in the implication is there for, for from Harry that he 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 wants he he doesn't want Meghan to go through what his mother went through. Mm, mm. How's that going down? I mean, obviously, um, Prince Harry's had a very uh, difficult relationship um, with the press, and you know, isn't isn't the biggest fan of the UK press. Um, some of the things that they said were a little odd in the interview. However, I think they mentioned about, you know, holiday, uh, I can't remember the exact phrase, but holiday parties or something with the press. Mm. Um, you know, so then they'd keep in favour with the royal family. And uh, I know a number of royal correspondents were tweeting during the interview being like, that's not something that happens. That's, you know, that seems very odd and um, <laughs> unexpected that, uh, you know, royal correspondents were, were untrue of where, where, where that had come from. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it, it, it's difficult because it's a strange obviously, one. it's a strange one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so the, the the insider royal press would obviously have a certain a certain relationship. A bit like inside political correspondents have a have a, mm. a certain relationship. For, for you looking at it, um, Brittany, overall, not just as a journalist, but but as an observer, what was the highlight of the interview, or was there a highlight? Uh, I, I mean. One of the biggest things, really, that came out, really, wasn't it, that um, you know, Megan said that she was struggling with her mental health and felt suicidal. Yeah. Um, and it really, you know, she spoke specifically about an example of going to a royal engagement and feeling very uh, vulnerable, and you know, holding on to Prince Harry and crying during a performance, and then putting on a happy face when the lights came up. Um, and that's that. I guess that's a real example of how they felt as they were. Were you shocked by that revelation? I mean, I had expected something along those lines because they left the royal family, so it, it must have been something quite bad. Yeah. If you under, you know, you. So it does. You can understand that. That you know, maybe that that was the reason that they found themselves making that decision. And yeah. likewise, Harry said he was left in you know some dark places and. Yeah. Would come home and found Meg would find Megan crying as she breastfed Archie. I mean, that's an incredibly tough thing for for two people to go through. It is. It, it is. I'm sure there's more. There's more left in in the story. Brittany, thank you very much uh, for joining us from London. Brittany Vano, who is covering the story as part of the Sun's uh, news team at the moment. Thank you very much. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. I mentioned the inner circle of Royal Press, and for 42 years, Arthur Edwards has been a member of that inner circle as an official royal photographer with the sun. He has travelled the world many times with all the individual members of the royal family taking photographs of literally every move they make. He is part of the inner circle, has been for for four decades. He's married to a Cork woman, which is why we keep in contact with him here on the show. And I spoke with Arthur last evening about this latest royal bombshell. Arthur, always great to, to have you on the opinion line. First of all, Meghan and Harry as a couple, D- did you get to know them at all? Well, I got to know Harry, I mean, obviously very well over the years. I mean, I photographed him when his mother brought him out of hospital for the first time. And I, you know, when he got him photographed him going to school, learning to ski, uh, jet ski on holidays, um, skiing, everything. You know, I did everything with him. Did him when he went to stay at Eton. I did him when he... Joined the Royal Air Force, so when he learned to uh, fly, 
Oh, you know, I did tons of stuff with him when he was in the army. What's he like? Well, he's fantastic. He was, um, he was a joy. He was the most popular member of the royal family as far as our readers were concerned. And uh, he could do no wrong. Even if when he did wrong, we still forgave him and loved him. And, uh, and he was fun to work with, you know. If you only went, whenever we went in the world, he, he, at the end of the trip, we would um, all assemble in a bar with him and we'd all have, a, you know, we'd all have a drink with him and, and he'd chat to us and he'd get all, you know, if he had something he wanted to say, he'd get off his chest, he'd say it. And if you had something, you could say it. And at the end of the trip, he'd pick up the bill. That was the that was Harry then, but once he met Meghan, things changed. Did they? Yeah, he became very, very, very dour, and wouldn't wouldn't even say good morning to us. Uh, totally ignored us. Um, thought we were, I think, well, a nuisance. And um, and it, and you know, on several occasions, I asked the palace if they could organise a, so we could meet Meghan. You know, the people that covered the royals all the time, the royal pack. But each time we were said yes, but it never happened. And uh, I don't think she wanted it to happen. So you've never actually met her, have you, Arthur? Oh, no, I've never actually shook her hand, but I photographed her a lot. I photographed yeah. her oh, when she came to Ireland. I photographed her when she was in, in, in Croke Park. And, uh, I mean, all that I did. Um, Northern Ireland, Morocco, uh, all those... But, you know, she never let you get close. She never wanted to have anything to do with the media at all. Mm. Not one. And funny that you say that you were always ill, have a good working relationship with Harry, and it changed when she came along. Was it a sudden change? Yeah, it was almost overnight. Yeah, he um, he he just became well. It was like a you know, it was like a Jekyll and Hyde experience. You know, from once you know, really terrific person with uh, especially with young people. He was fantastic with kids and young young children, and you know, he was. It's a joy. In fact, the last job I did with him was at a school in Luton when he was on his own, and the kids were hugging him and, and cuddling him, and it was a great, uh, great set of pictures. And um, and he was and he was and he was loving it. But when he was with her, it was oh, it was awful. He split from you know the, the foundation he was in with his brother. Split that. He moved out of uh, Kensington Palace. The Queen gave him a beautiful home in, in Windsor Great Park, Frogmore House. The, the, the government spent two and a half million quid uh, renovating it and restoring it. They moved in for, a, I don't know, a couple of months, decided she didn't, decided didn't like it. And they went to Canada, and, uh, and, and the rest is history. Then, then to Los Angeles, and, um, and now they're there. Mm. The things that have come out in the interior have been said in the interview, particularly with regard to her mental health. She, she claims that she felt suicidal at times. You know, they, they are disturbing things to hear, allegations in particular of racism within the royal family. No, I don't remember any of that. I mean, our, our paper covered them. And, you know, some papers, including The Sun and The Mail, you know, they probably went a bit too far, but we went too far on one occasion and we apologised we felt that we'd gone over the top but I never, never, it was never racist Nothing. I've never remember racism she got such a welcome here I mean when they got engaged every newspaper had it all over the uh, pages of stuff on it when they got married I mean, we, we carried like wedding specials you know it was so much stuff and thousands of people turned out in the streets the Prince of Wales gave away Meghan because the father couldn't come I mean, they did everything to make that. And, and I was saying things like, 
you know, she's a great ambassador. I mean, I remember doing, uh, doing walkabouts with the kids. She was fantastic. The young people she was doing selfies with. I mean, she was, she was tremendous. And she was so happy. Never saw us, uh, not, not smiling, not laughing. And I was saying, I was doing TV interviews saying, you know, this, this woman's going to be a great ambassador for our country, you know, and, and all this. And then all of a sudden, bosh, she decided she had enough and she went. So, um, and now this interview, which, you know, I found... I found, well, a bit nauseating, to be quite serious. You know, she was attacking Prince Charles, I mean, and, and, and William and Catherine, uh, and, and him complaining about, you know, cut off the money. Well, you know, if you don't turn up for work, you don't get paid. That's what it's like that for everyone. Yeah. You know, if you leave the company, then you then, then the salary stops. And, and unfortunately, you know, the Prince of Wales is no, not stupid. He, he, he paid out everything for them. He kept them... In a, in a great comfort and never wanted for anything. And uh, I think um, look, I'm, I'm very sad for our Queen because she's suffering badly. Her husband's been in three weeks tomorrow. He's been in hospital. She can't visit him. They probably talk to him every day on the phone. But that's very agonizing. You know, she may never see him again. I mean, that's how it is. And she's, but she's being stoic. And, of course... Um, Was the timing of the interview very unfortunate? Oh, terrible, yeah, terrible. But, you know, when I hear about the amounts of money changing hands for this and the amounts of viewers, I've got 19 million viewers in America or something, or 90, I can't remember, but a huge amount of viewers. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't like to hear that. Something I wanted to bring up with you, Harry says he doesn't want history repeating itself. The accusation is often made, and, and you were a member of the working press yeah. throughout his mother's time, the accusation is regularly made, Arthur, that the British yeah. press killed his mother. No, absolutely not. In fact, um, I remember that the night she died, I was coming back from a wedding, I went to Paris, and um, I remember arriving in Paris as the plane touched down and got the news that she died. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. And then, you know, taxi drivers wouldn't take photographers because they said we were accused of killing her because the paparazzi were chasing her. But then, you know, three days later, it turns out the driver was three times over the drink drive limit, going excessive speed. And although I'd, I admit that the photographers were part of the cocktail, they were not the reason. And, and of course, it was just a tragedy. Um, and, but, you know, Diana did give up her, by, uh, her... She gave up her own police protection. She didn't want anyone to, to be with her. That was her decision. And, if, and, and to this day, and a British policeman will tell you the same, if they'd have been in that car, they'd have ordered that driver to slow down. And, and, uh, and, and, and she would probably be still alive today. But, you know, I haven't said that. You've got to remember, that was very time, the aggressive... For, newspapers were very aggressive covering things then. You know, there was no... It, was, it wasn't like it is yeah. today. And Harry seems to be afraid, or seems to have been afraid, that the same would happen to Meghan. I don't think that's true. No, I don't think so. I mean, look, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't see what's in their minds. I don't know what, what's right and what's wrong. I don't know what they said is accurate or not accurate. I'm not sure. If she, if she says she had suicidal thoughts, you've got to accept that she may have done. But I don't see what she had anything to, um, to be angry about. I mean, everything she did, she got, she got great praise for it. Got, every time she did an engagement, massive pictures in the paper. She always looked fantastic, always smiling. This was a, such, a, such a surprise that she found all this 
and especially Prince Harry saying that about his father and his brother. That is not Harry. He's not nasty. He's a lovely person. He's not a nasty person. And him and his brother were like like two peas in a pod. They were so close. They would they would they would take the mickey out of each other. They would sort of like pretend to have little sort of fights, but they absolutely adored each other. And I remember Harry giving an interview once, and he said, "My sole role in life is to support my brother." Some support. Yeah. Arthur, finally, do you think that this interview has caused irreparable damage? I don't, I, I don't think. The, I think the royals, and I've said in a piece I've written in the paper, you know, this, this, this royal family has been through a reformation, abdication, and, 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 and two world wars, you know, and they're not going to, this thing's not going to slow them down. I mean, we have a fantastic queen, we have a great Prince of Wales, and William and Catherine are, are just superb young couple so I think it's pretty safe but we've had a little bit of a shock today and uh, and we'll get over it because you know at the end of the day it's what you do not what you say what the Prince of Wales and, and, and William and Catherine have been doing they've been getting out there amongst the people and helping them just to cope with every day Arthur Edwards it's always a pleasure to speak with you on the Opinion Line you're welcome anytime the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the number to call. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. If you missed anything in the first hour of our programme this morning, do remember the podcast is available in the early afternoon, usually between 2 and 3. Goes first to Twitter and then onto all your various platforms where you get your podcasts. And it also drops onto the Cork's 96FM phone app in the course of the afternoon. The whole show. And it's free. Costs you note. And you can listen to it anytime, anyplace, anywhere, as it were. Just on Meghan and Harry, the... the claim about mental health and and her story with regard to feeling depressed and and suicidal and all of that, that is desperately, desperately sad. And and as she found herself in that circumstance, it is desperately, desperately sad, regardless of the cause, regardless of what contributed to it, regardless of where it came from. If she found herself in, in that situation, desperately, desperately sad. A lot of people asking the question, well, why didn't Harry just get help for her why didn't Harry look to getting some help for her Uh, the claim from the show is that they weren't allowed to but you know can he not get help for his wife if if she needs it and she clearly did just one of the, the unanswered questions out of it Khan was listening to Arthur and look Arthur's been covering the inner circle of the royal family for for 40 years and and from previous conversations with him uh, he is quite close you'd you'd get that impression anyway quite close personally even maybe to Prince Charles Um, Arthur says Con, hi Con, haven't heard from you in a while Con, Uh, Arthur says we have a fabulous Prince of Wales who's also head of the Parachute Regiment and something that never gets publicity, what about the whole Bishop Ball case? Now I had to rack the memory banks for the Bishop Ball case so I'm, I'm the executive research desk has given me a quick reference um, this is from the Guardian Bishop Peter Ball um, he was a close friend of Prince Charles 
a friendship he cultivated, and there were other senior figures in the establishment. And when he was accused of sexual abuse, uh, they stepped in to protect him and support him. This was according to a, a BBC documentary. Uh, apparently, uh, this Bishop Ball was a close confidant of Charles because he was the bishop of his local diocese. That's an interesting... Con, you have some memory on you, boy. You have some memory on you. Uh, that's a story we had to look up for ourselves. Interesting one, though. Very interesting. 1850-715-996. couple of other things before I go to Councillor Shane O'Callaghan. A positive story about a development that we've been waiting for for a number of years. John, John, I think I saw this this morning. I think I saw these two individuals. I'm coming in a lot on the bus these mornings. I, I like it. Mornings and spring mornings. I like that little stroll across the city with a coffee at maybe seven or five past. It's it's lovely. And on a dry morning, I'll, I'll often take the bus. I'd like to talk about two incidents last night, says John, to do with homelessness. There were two fellas left in bad circumstances. Fergal has all the details. There has to be some kind of emergency help for the people who won't go to Simon, often for very good reasons. It's just not good enough to leave them on the street. Hostels just don't work for everybody. It's a crime they have to be used at all. We should get our priorities right in this country. John, I, I think you're referring to the area around Debenhams, where there was one guy there for quite a while. Now there are two, and it's messy. There's a real mess around there now. They've got a tent and some uh, stuff lying around. And there was evidence this morning that someone had brought them pizza. And there was a food, food hamper seems to have been dropped off to them. So clearly they're getting some service from somewhere. Um, but we, we think that, that that's, um, we think that that's uh, the case that you, that you referred to. Um, yeah, it's it's just in or around there. There's, there's there's two people I've seen. One of them actually, as I was walking in last week, one of them saluted me. Um, grand cheery salute of an early morning, lovely morning. Um, there's, there's there's more of them there uh, this morning, uh, the last couple of mornings. Um, on the rally for truth, um, I want to clarify this. Paddy, Paddy's on again. What's up with you? I was getting really uplifted and enjoying listening to you when you went on that stupid rant about Saturday. Were you deeply disappointed there was no trouble? You know, there was 700 or so there. It was your own reporter who reported 700. What's wrong with you? You were wrong. Just admit and give the benefit of the doubt to the good, genuine Cork citizens who behaved sensibly. Paddy, I was ecstatically happy that nothing happened on Saturday. I had been dreadfully fearful that something would. I was very happy that something, that nothing happened on Saturday. There was no one really happier that nothing happened on Saturday. I had been dreadfully fearful that something would. And it's to the credit of those who came that nothing did. I still don't think it should have happened. But that's, that's a different, that's a different opinion. 1850-715-996. For many years, people have talked about a bridge across from... Grange Road to Tremor Valley Park which would involve a bridge over the N40 and ever since they mooted the idea of Tremor Valley Park people said oh yeah and that'd be great to link it across then to Grange and we could walk over and enjoy the park an idea that you kind of wonder why didn't they do it at the time but now it looks as if it will go ahead Uh, not only has it been agreed to but money 
has been found and money has come in from the National Transport Authority. Uh, and the work could start soon. Fine Gael Councillor Shane O'Callaghan raised it at last night's meeting of the council. Shane, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. It's one of these things, sort of, like, <laughs> did no one think of it at the time? Uh, yeah, no, but I mean, it's something that's been mooted for, for several years. I mean, I, th- I think that, in fairness, uh, people like Tony Foy, Jerry Han, and Brendan Keller at Grange Frankfurt Partnership have been campaigning for us <laughs> for over a decade. So I think it's it's something that's that's very much, and particularly the, the residents of the Grange Frankfield area, um, have been very very much in favour of it. I mean, it'll it'll totally transform the area because I mean, Grange Frankfield is an area that doesn't have a doesn't really have any amenities. Um, although there was uh, the city council have now agreed to provide a multi-use games area, uh, which will be the entrance to the pedestrian cycle in in Donkey's Field, which is fantastic for the area. But it's it's an area that doesn't really have amenities. Mm. A lot of people in Grange Frankfield can actually see, they go out into their backyard, they can see from Moor Valley Park, and yet they have no way of accessing yeah. it yeah. by walking there or cycling there, on, 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 which is why this... You That's know, what I mean, of, Shane. From, from the very yeah. start, it would have been a very logical thing to put that in place. Absolutely. But, I mean, these things take time. And and now this, you know, 1.5 million in National Transport Authority funding um, has been allocated to the project. I mean, that'll... That makes it highly likely that the pedestrian and cycle lane will be constructed in the next few years. Um, and uh, as you say, I submitted a, an official question to the council on the issue and the response which I received from the council executive at the council uh, meeting yesterday was that, um, I, I'll just quote it here, it, it is envisaged that subject to land acquisition, the scheme will go to tender in Q3 of this year with construction to be underway before the end of the year. Mm. So in other words, if all goes to plan, Cork City Council will start work on the project before the end of this year. Yeah. And um, so I think it's fantastic news for the Grange, for the, no, for the city in general. Yeah. What, what, land, the ha- what land has to be acquired? And I, uh, my understanding is is that the majority of the land um, for, for the, you know, the path from the Grange Road to, um, to you know, I suppose the edge of the N40 yeah. is already in council uh, hands. But I mean, there there might be tiny little pieces here and there that they, I mean they have to. They're just I suppose going to have to double check that. But mm. my understanding is that the, the the vast majority, if not all, of the land is already uh, belongs to the council. There might be pieces here and there that need to be need to be uh, CPO'd. But I mean, I don't I don't foresee that being a major issue. Yeah. Is the golf um, course still in use? Matter of interest. No, the golf course isn't isn't in use um, anymore. But I mean, that's a, that's a bit further over. But there yeah. is still a very I think it's the, the leading um, golfing range. Um, Coleman Ryan and the Ryan family still have the, you know, the, probably the best golfing range in Cork mm. in, in Frankfield House. So that's still that's still there. Well, it's not operating at the moment because of level five, but I mean they anticipate, yeah. um, you know, opening it again. Mm. <laughs> and so you know, as soon, soon as they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the, the the possibility is that this work would start towards the end of the year and presumably be open for next summer. We'd hope, will you? No, no. I mean, if if it, like it's it's a major project, uh, PJ. I mean, one point five million will get the project started, but I mean, it'll probably take eighteen months to two years to complete the project. Right. I mean, it, I mean, building a building a bridge across the N40 is is no easy feat. Um, but I mean, look, as I said, the most important thing is that funding has been allocated for it, um, and it's something, PJ, that I've been campaigning for since I was first elected. Uh, to the council in 2019, I specifically raised the issue of funding with the CEO 
of the National Transport Authority, Anne Graham, when she addressed the City Council last July. I raised it with the Minister for Transport, Damon Ryan, mm. when he attended a meeting of the Roads and Transportation Committee in, in October. I've I put in constant mo- constantly putting in motions seeking for yeah. the project to be prioritised. Look, I know as well, uh, Minister Simon Coveney and, and Secretary To be nice, to, be, nice to be able to canvas on it for the 2024 local election, it, wouldn't it? It, it, it would be, I'll admit, it would be. But I mean, look, I mean, I don't think anyone will, 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 will say that it's not from... I have put a lot of. And I don't want. To oh, I'm only rip. Much, I'm but, only ripping you, man. Uh, I'm have, only ripping and you. <laughs> and as I say, credit is due to Minister Simon Coveney and Senator Jerry Bottomer. They've been very active in pushing for it at national level. And look, I mean, I, I, PJ, he probably won't want me mentioning his name, but but I'm going to. Right. The director of infrastructure development in City Hall, Jerry O'Byrne. Oh, yeah. Huge credit is due to him and the other council officials who could really. They really could see the benefits mm. of this. Ah, he's a good guy, really Jerry. I've met him hard. many times. Yeah, he's a good. Jerry, he's a great guy. He's a great and, vision. And so, sometimes he's hampered by trying to get his hands on what he needs, but he has great vision. Oh, he has great vision, and look, and, and he's he, and I don't think he he doesn't like uh, publicity. He'd be very, you know, he you know he does, he, but but I mean, he he he's hugely. I mean, yeah. he could really see the benefits of the project, yeah. and he really pushed for funding. Right. So, enormous credit is due to him and so, to his officials. So, so, it, it, so, so it is going. It, it, it is going to happen. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I don't have a crystal ball, uh, PJ. I'm not. Uh, they don't. They don't call me Mystic Shane or anything. So I, I can't predict the future. But look, um, what, what I like, I can't guarantee that it's definitely going to happen. But what what I can say is that the 1.5 building in funding has been allocated. Right. That's a huge step in the right direction, and if everything goes to plan. It will happen and will be constructed over the next few years. All right, thanks very much. That's Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, Gael member of Cork City uh, Council. Uh, <laughs> it should be lovely to canvas. I just say, lovely to canvas on it for the local elections in in twenty twenty four. I got this built, like I got this built. Actually, that golf course, I uh, you, that golf course. Interesting to know it's not being used anymore. Do you know they used to call that the the, the golf course for people with one short leg because it was built on the side of a hill. I played it once. Maybe tw- twice, yeah, twice with, with the late great Frank O'Brien, and it was the funniest place to try to play golf. Like you'd you'd be there with your standing like Pat Falvey on the side of a mountain, trying to chip a ball. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your two one one Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Spend your afternoon with me. I'll bring you all your favourite tunes, everything that's happening in Cork and all the things you need on your radio to get you through the day. See you from 12 on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Alan or Alano right, says that the bridge is going in the wrong place. It needs to be on the Kinsale roadside by the land adjacent to the Woody's car park. Yeah? Or, or another place that people would love to be able to access from is the other side there by the park and ride car park because people come up there say from the Woody's side from the Balafahan side from that general area and they walk up Mick Barry Road named by the way for the bowler not the TD 
we give them notions. Mick, Mick Barry Road there, uh, you'd see people making a run for it across to Tremor Valley Park, which is discouraged and highly, highly dangerous. That should, people have said for a long time there should be some kind of a passage or a, or a bridge over there. 1850-715-996. We've talked repeatedly on the opinion line about mental health during the pandemic. Actually, we're coming up to a very, very significant anniversary and we'll mark it Friday. Friday is the anniversary by the day, uh, if you give or take the effect of the leap year, when Leo Varadkar was in, in Washington and he gave that early morning press briefing or that early morning statement, which we covered live here, we took it live here uh, on the opinion line. Uh, Friday is the anniversary of that where you know the schools were closing and we went into our first lockdown level it's it's this week a year ago but that that's more by the by as we get to the end of the week but mental health has been uh, put out there as one of the big problems caused by repeated and lengthy lockdowns and we've talked over the last number of weeks and months now, how hard in particular this lockdown has been given the time of year, given the dreadful weather, given given all of that plus the fact that it's just seems to be dragging on forever and the question is asked often well, what services are out there uh, if if something isn't right, What, where can you go who will help you is, there, is it more than just a phone number is there genuinely support out there, whether all you are is, as we've said, a bit flat and you need a little boost or whether you're in a genuine crisis. Kenneth contacted the opinion line to talk about his own situation because I think, Kenneth, you wanted to highlight that in actual fact when you needed help, it was there. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on the show. Delighted to do so. Cheers, cheers. Um, PJ, that is correct. Um, now, there have been times where mental health hasn't helped but in this time around where it's needed the most that has helped me an awful, awful lot. Um, Let's start, start, start at the start. I mean, did you, have you had struggles throughout lockdown or is it something that came up, came upon you before lockdown? Or is it just, is it tied in with lockdown or is it just something you've struggled with? This is something that I've struggled with for the last 15 years, PJ. Right. Um, so it's been ongoing for quite some time. Um, it hasn't been easy, obviously. There's There's been struggles, there's been battles, but at the end of the day, I'm still here, which is a great thing, PJ. Um, so I have been dealing with this for, for over 15 years, and it's quite difficult, uh, especially with lockdown, after getting that bit harder. Yeah. What because, was harder about it? Because, see, PJ, what my kind of routine was, I'm, I'm, I'm not a drinker anymore. I used to be a heavy drinker. I've cut, I've cut the drink completely now. I don't drink anymore. So I'm off to drink now over a year. Um, so it was quite difficult when lockdown happened because my main kind of outsource was cinema movies okay? okay so it was the whole kind of preparation pj of getting ready having a shower getting dressed going to the cinema queuing up that kind of thing it was the little things because i wasn't going to clubs or pubs or anything like that so that was my only outlet that was your therapy. Was, yeah. yeah exactly pj exactly and i suppose when that uh when lockdown happened and everything closed down i didn't know what to do um, I know I could watch movies at home, but it still wasn't the same. It wasn't good for my mental health, mm. staying in one room. Um, because I also work from home as well, PJ. So it's, do you know what I mean? So I'm constantly indoors. But, 
the, the getting out, the trip to the cinema, even something as simple as the popcorn and, yeah. and the queue, that was part of your therapy. Oh, it was fantastic, PJ. Wow. I loved it. And like me and my fiance, we used to go, we used to make it a habit of going um, once every month or if a good movie comes out. But it wasn't even the movie, PJ. It was, as you just said, it was the therapy. It was getting out. It was getting that freedom, you know? And I suppose when lockdown happened, it's, it's, it's heightened because I kind of stopped caring about myself, PJ. I kind of stopped showering. I stopped shaving. I, I didn't really care because I wasn't going anywhere. Nobody was seeing me and I just kind of cocooned myself PJ so I was going from work which was the downstairs and then going straight upstairs to my TV so I was just going from one room to another seven days a week PJ yeah yeah, and that's and difficult it, it, it is and to be honest it, it, there has been days where I didn't even get up out of bed because I just couldn't I, I couldn't carry on with the boredom and I, I, I must say since the start of lockdown I have got onto my GP and I said look I'm going to need something in place here. So, fantastic uh, Pierre House, absolutely credit to him. Oh my God. Um, Pierre House has been there from the start with me since the start mm. of lockdown. Like, sorry, were you, did you hit trouble at the start of lockdown? Like, did you have a crisis? Well, it was before lockdown. I had I had a I had a bit of a breakdown. Uh, PJ it was before lockdown. Right. Um, I had a bit of a mental breakdown. I was I was in hospital um, overnight and stuff like that for okay. for trying to commit suicide and stuff. Okay. Um, but lockdown has just intensified it. So it's it's like I have no outlet. Do you know what I mean? And it's quite frustrating because for somebody like I'm a very energetic young man. So like I'm very energetic, but all that energy is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when, like, it's very, it's very, very hard and very frustrating, PJ, because you know what you want to do, but there's nothing out there to do it. Like, it's just, it's so, so hard. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to do it on a daily basis as well. Like, I mean, even getting up and doing basic things, like, it's, it can be quite difficult, like. Yeah. yeah. You know, and sometimes there, PJ, like, I would, sometimes, like, like, what a lot of people don't understand in this day and age is that it's okay not to be okay. Mm, yes. Do you know what I mean? It is like it's completely normal for to be not okay. Like, and the hardest thing to say is I'm not okay. So when when you were in trouble, mm. um, who do you talk to? Do you, I mean, you, you mentioned you have a, a partner, a fiance. Uh, do, I do. Do you yeah. live together? Yes, we do. Right, we right. do. So at least you have that. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Um, to be honest, PJ, she's been the rock um, for the last four years. Without her, without her, I don't think I'd still be here. Being honest, and that's the gospel truth, PJ. I don't okay. think I'd still be alive. Okay. Because um, there's been nobody else to push me. There's been nobody else there to kind of kind of look you so much to live for. Because before, um, before my. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The fiance PJ, I, I don't, I didn't care for life in general. Mm. Do you know? I just kind of waited for the inevitable life. And, and what was it? Why, why did you give up? Why, why did you, why did you, why did you lose? Lose? Because you, you sound like a guy who, who's very engaged with life. What, what, what was? Why you, you told, sound like you wanted to, to opt out of it? Yeah, yeah, why, PJ. Why? I because I don't, I don't see. I, I didn't at the time. I didn't see the point in life, PJ. It's too much of a struggle because with depression, I suffer with depression and anxiety and self harm. Okay. And I was I was waking up every morning with that guilt and that 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 kind of heavy cloudy feeling. And to be honest, I I didn't want to live like that anymore, PJ. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm I was sick of it. Like waking up every morning with this kind of kind of depression and heaviness and not enjoying life to the full and to be honest I was just sick of dealing with it every day for myself so I just said look one day look I, 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 I just caught myself and see what happens and I I, I survived but um, yeah yeah do you know and at what time did you first turn to Piazza uh, it was at the start of lockdown right and what, at prompted, the start of- what prompted you to do that uh, my fiance, as well as myself, we both sat down and we had a conversation again, saying, "Look, I'm not okay. Um, I don't feel okay. I don't feel well." Were you worried uh, about your ability to handle the restrictions? Yes, I was also worried on a day-to-day basis that I wouldn't get through it as well because it felt like I was encaged, and um, that's what it felt like. I felt like I was in a cage and I couldn't go anywhere. Um, at the start of lockdown, so I, I, I rang, I had a chat with my fiance. I also rang my GP and said, look, is there anything that we can do to keep me going through this lockdown? And she said, Pierre House. And I said, okay. So I rang Pierre House. Literally, I rang Pierre House that day. A week later, I had an appointment. That quickly? That quickly. Describe because, the process for me, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it was the most uh, pleasant experience I've ever had in my life um, dealing with counsellors because I've dealt with many, many counsellors face-to-face and over the phone, but ha- it has been the best experience ever. I rang them and I said, look, I'm in trouble. I, I'm i not okay. Um, I suffer with depression. I'm on the, kind of, on the, the high scale of, of suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And she said, okay. And we went through the, the screening process. It was very simple it was just a few basic questions like one out of five kind of thing do you know PJ mm-hmm. um, so I told them I, I went through that process how you feel on a day to day basis what do you do um, what's your lifestyle that kind of stuff so they kind of built a little profile around me and then um, a week later they said okay look this is what we're going to do we're going to give you 25 sessions every Wednesday at 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock right that's practically six months 
Yeah, yeah. I and I finished up there now last week, PJ, and uh, it's been absolutely amazing. And I just can't thank PA House enough. Like it's wow. Like they've changed me completely because my outlook on this lockdown has completely changed. And like I in what, in what way? In ways that like I I thought that being bored. Um, like I heard you saying that as well last week um, with one of the other um, people that you had on the air there that to to be bored it, it's it's not a bad thing do you know mm. and I heard you saying that last week as well PJ that like it's it's okay to be bored do you know what I mean it's mm. it's okay not to be doing nothing like and that was my problem I always thought that I had to keep doing something to keep the brain occupied mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So I would. I think that was so in would, context of of children. That that you know, it's an important life skill. I think I remember the conversation. It's an important life skill for any child to learn that sometimes you're going to be bored, and that's okay. Exactly, and that's totally right, PJ. But the thing is, I never had that opportunity. See, yeah. when I was grow- when I was growing up, I never had that opportunity to say I'm not okay, and people would look after me. I never had that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that that's that's kind of I don't I, what I suppose I'm trying to do, PJ, is like I I'm also in um, I'm also in a in a in a course as well to try and get my degree as well in counselling, PJ, because pe- people need to know and pe- people need to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not all dark, and people know people need to know. Like I'm a 30 year old man, like I should be living my life to the full, but I'm not. And I, I, I'm basically speaking for those people that don't have a voice out there at the moment. There are a lot of people there is. who are really struggling with, like people who would, who's normal, normally day to day, their mental health would be okay. They might have the occasion of what we call flat day or whatever. But, yeah. but they're really struggling now. And, and the longer this goes on, the more they're inclined to struggle. What would you be inclined to say to them? What I would be inclined to say is, first of all, it's okay that you're not okay. As well as that, I, I know I've repeated that several times, but that is the key word. Like, do you know what I mean? That is the key word. What I would say to people out there that don't have a voice is, please, please, please pick up the phone. Please ring your GP. Ring anybody that's close to you. Just ring them and just talk to them. That's all. Just that's the first step, PJ. Like, just say something. Just talk. That's all you need to do. Because I've learned. I've learned that from my fiance. That like, as well. She's helped me a lot as well. Like, I mean, talking is massive. If you could just talk to somebody, you would get where you need to go. But it's. It's. I mean, like, it's fair enough saying it, PJ. And like, it's very funny because people say that it's all well and good saying it, but it's the, it's the actual to do it is 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 uh, is dreading is. is is daunting to make that first step but I'm telling you once you make that first step you will never look back like the hardest part for some people with it at the moment is the uncertainty that we don't know from week to week from month to month what's going to happen we don't know what's going to happen with the summer we don't know what's going to happen with our jobs we don't know what's going to happen with uncertainty is hard to deal with it is you know and, and sometimes you need help to get through that uncertainty you do, and look, as well as that, PJ, look, I mean, we're living in the 21st century, and for me personally, I still think mental health is taboo in Ireland. I do. Um, because it's, it's, it's always been the way, like, it's always been the way in Ireland. Mm. Yeah. But, you know. We talk about it more, but not, not as openly as we talk about, say, a bad back. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah oh, I, I definitely agree with you, PJ. Yeah. And like as I said, it's it's quite difficult and it's quite tough. I mean, even like even on it, I'm on medication and stuff, so that helps as well. Mm. And like I know a lot of people are anti-medication, but to be honest, without medication, I, I again I wouldn't be here, PJ. If it's, if medication it's what you need, it, exactly. It's what you need. Also, I think it's important, isn't it, to point out that great credit is due to everyone for getting through this long, hard period uh, of lockdown. And we can see, if you just look at the numbers now, we can see the benefit of it for us. But it has been very, very hard, and everyone deserves great credit for mucking in there and getting on with it. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Credit to them people, PJ. I really do. Like, I mean, it's fantastic how you could see as 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 humans how we but see again PJ like what we what we lack at the moment as humans is connection. So do you know what I mean? I mean like we we as as human beings need connection and need social interaction. That's how we survive. That's how we've always done it. Do you know I had an and, interesting conversation in that regard over the weekend Kenneth and it yeah. just struck to mind now. You know we're so used to now a tiny circle. Like I'm I said here one of the lucky ones I, I get to be at home with my family and I get to be here with my workmates my work family I, yeah. I'm seeing more people than than most because of the, the situation but the point is when the day comes when I can go out and meet people again you're almost half afraid of what yeah. how it's going to be and that's yeah. alright it is it is and to be honest PJ I I haven't looked that far ahead because what I'm trying to do is I don't want to overwhelm myself either yes. going back into society. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because yeah. that that's what that's a possibility as well. That can happen to people is that it's going it's going to overwhelm people. Yeah. Do you know which you can totally understand that? Yeah. Um, but it, it it's all about I suppose doing the little steps. Do you know what I mean? Going to the shops I suppose first of all. Do you know? Getting going in doing using the self service or whatever you may do, but like you're still going to be interacting with the with the till man or whatever yeah. it may be. But yeah. small little steps, small little steps, yeah. or and even your next door neighbour saying hi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Little things. Eat well, exercise, yes. walk. <laughs> But see, again, like I definitely agree with you with exercise and walk. But for somebody with mental health issues, it's not as easy as that, PJ. No. You know, it's, it's dragging yourself out and putting one yeah, in front of the other yeah, is an ordeal yeah, for some people. It is, it is, PJ. Because I mean, like, there's been no. I haven't done much exercise over the lockdown, but I have gotten mentally better, you know. But like it's 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 all well and good saying go out and get some exercise, but it's not as easy as that, you know. I mean yeah. like I have been prepared to kind of uh I've gotten dressed many times but I just couldn't face face it. I just couldn't go. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, the longest part someone said to me in a conversation off air recently, the longest part between walking five miles or walking two miles, the longest part of that is between the chair and the front door. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with that. It is, it is because you feel like it's such an effort. You don't realise that when the lockdown was wasn't here, it was just a general thing. Like I used to go to work an awful lot, so I used to have this routine, PJ, of getting up, getting dressed, and putting on my pants and short, and getting a bus and whatever. That was all routine to me, and. No, that all that's gone. I can barely step outside the door. Like, do you know what I mean? It's it's quite funny. Like, for mm. so, and and it's it's it, to be honest, I've noticed it, and it's quite sad because for somebody that's well spoken and well kind of confident, I just oh, I don't want to interact. You, do, you sound you sound really confident in yourself, and I'm sure you've benefited hugely. If I'd been talking to you 25 weeks ago, you'd have been a lot more hesitant before you Absolutely. had the interaction with with Pieta. But I think what what I'm hearing very clearly, Kenneth, is that that right now. If it were all over tomorrow in terms of lockdown, you'd still struggle with what to do next. 
Yeah, and that's absolutely. okay. It is. It is okay. But again, it's it's like as I said, I've dealt for this for half my life, and it, like lockdown or lo- no lockdown, it doesn't really like it has impacted me obviously. But like if lockdown ended in the morning, my issues are still not going to be gone. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm still going to have those issues. But it's 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 learning how to manage them more. It's learning how, when the triggers are and how they come about and how to manage those triggers. Do you know, and that's what Pierre House can do. They can help you um, find your triggers, and they can help you manage them. Not necessarily stop it, but how to overcome it and how to manage it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, PJ? A, a good analogy that one someone drew up for me one time was that to liken your bad days or your bad weeks, liken it like being hit by a bus. Um, but what Pieta House or somewhere else can teach you to do is to see the bus coming and at least try to get out of the way. Exactly. You, you, yeah, that's that's a brilliant analogy. That's exactly what it is, PJ. You can like, I mean, obviously, you're, you, like you, you don't want to get hit by the bus, but you you'll just learn enough skills and tactics to get out of the way. You hear it, you see it, and you can do your best to get out of the way. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And PJ, look, it it doesn't always work. I'm not. I mean, look, I I'm not kind of all rainbows and butterflies. But yeah. um, look, there is days where it doesn't work. I mean, and let's be honest. But I mean, the majority of the time, where it's like eighty percent, it does work. PJ, it does. Like, and and Pierre House and my GP, they've all been absolutely fantastic, and I cannot give any more credit okay. to them. They've been an absolute diamond to me. Like, and don't don't be afraid to pick up that phone, Kenneth. It's been a joy yeah. to talk to you, and I wish you good luck. Thank you so much, PJ. Thank you. Mind Thanks. yourself. That's Kenneth. 1850 715996. If you're affected by anything that he's saying, if you are in a position where you think you'd like to talk to someone, you think you'd like uh, get some help, you can call, uh, as Kenneth did, Pieta, uh, 1-800-247-247. 1-800-247-247. You can call the Samaritans at 116123 or call your GP. But talk or call your friend, call your brother, call a workmate, call somebody and talk to somebody. But Pieta's number, 1-800-247-247. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The artists Offrey Canai and Sirius Arts Centre are examining questions of navigation with a new online exhibition, Where is Where? They're also inviting interested people to participate in a series of online sessions with further information available at SiriusArtsCentre.ie. Access all areas. Made in Cork played by ear rehearsed readings offers access to the full audio stream collection of nine rehearsed readings from the Everyman Theatre. It takes place over March and you can buy a ticket that covers all nine shows and find out more information at everymancork.com. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. Well, I'm very impressed with Ken. I want to say he is a real motivator. 
and to a power of good for anyone, whether they need help with their mental health or not. Uh, he should speak in schools. Yeah, he's a good, good, articulate, bright speaker. And despite what he's been through, he's so unerringly positive about it, while admitting at the same time that there were still tough days. 1850-715-996. I read a survey. This is a good one. I like this. Um, one in ten expectant mums wouldn't trust their partner to pack their hospital bag. Now, only one in ten was <laughs> surprised me. Um, because particularly if it happened sort of a short note, get the bag, pack the bag, get me to go. I wouldn't have had a clue. Not a notion. What to go into it. But they've done a survey on it and they found that a lot of people just don't trust their partner for those important last minute things. Um, Laura Erskine is with Baby Doc Club. Laura, good morning. Good morning. I found it quite funny. Um, but I'm also impressed that it's only one in ten. But it's that most precious of bags that mom takes, isn't it? It is. It's actually nine in ten don't trust their partner. I think there must have been a typo what was sent over to <laughs> you. Nine? There is a typo on my sheet, actually. <laughs> nine out of ten. Now, that's an interesting one. That makes it a lot more a lot more realistic. Yeah. Yes, they do. Nine in ten months do not trust their partner to pack their maternity hospital bag, and I'm not surprised. Sure, you wouldn't even know where to start. Um, aside from, from putting a nightdress in and a couple of baby grows. I, I mean, there really is. It can be quite overwhelming in terms of what has to go into a maternity hospital bag. But even more so now during the pandemic, because uh, mums have to think of every eventuality and they don't have their partner or their friends or family on hand to pop into the hospital and bring them anything that they might have forgotten. So they really do have to think of everything. So I'm working with uh, babyboo.ie, who are an online baby uh, and children's clothing retail store. Um, and they have a, they've, we've done some research with over 1,400 pandemic mums asking them, what did they bring in when they gave birth during the pandemic over the last 12 months? What would they recommend other mums bring in? What do they wish they'd brought in? Right. And it's quite a big list when you look at mum, baby, all the COVID essentials, um, wh- whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, whether you're going in for a vaginal birth or a C-section, it is quite significant. All so so, so what would go into the, the standard bag? Well, you've got everything for mum. We've got um, your pyjamas, um, button-down pyjamas, which is very important for um, that skin-to-skin contact, um, which you're going to want for those those first early precious moments when you uh, after you've had your baby. And if you plan on breastfeeding, that's very important. Um, but you're going to need lots of pyjamas, a lightweight dressing gown, Fluffy socks. It can it, weirdly your extremities can get quite cold um, when you're in labour. Um, dark coloured towels. So all the mums know why we need dark colours. Um, but there are some more unusual ones that mums wish that they'd brought in. Like they wish they'd brought their pillow with them. And they wish that they had brought in a four socket extension lead, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which you might laugh, but it's quite practical. And I I certainly wish I'd brought it myself um, on my own children. 
I mean, we're going into hospital now in the pandemic. We don't know who's going to be there. So we want to be more connected than ever. So how many devices are we bringing in? We've got our smartphone. We've got our tablet. We might have a Kindle. We've got wireless earphones. Everything needs to to be be charged. charged. (laughs) Everything. So, so, uh, and you just don't know what sort of delivery you're going to have. Even if you have a natural delivery, you don't know how sore you're going to be. And you won't be able to get out of that bed to start plugging things in and out. So having an, a long extension lead saves mum a lot of hassle. <laughs> say, that's, that's one now. In, if you had asked me to sit down and write down 10 things that were going to the bag, that would not have featured. <laughs> no, and there are other things that you would, you would again, not think of that um, the baby boo mums came up with. Um, soft toilet tissue was another very popular item that lots of mums were bringing into hospital and you might wonder why did the hospital not supply toilet tissue? Uh, They do, but they're also meeting very strict financial budget uh, constraints Uh, and so the the toilet paper is not softest and um, for anybody who has, you know, had to deliver a baby uh, naturally um, you know, you're really quite sensitive down below, so bring your own if you have a favourite brand Um, and then other things like, you know, a battery night light or um, an LED light because those hospital lights are really very, very bright. Um, and if you're doing feeds in the middle of the night, which you will be no matter whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, um, those hospital nights uh, lights can be really so bright that they're going to wake baby um, when really what you want to do is, is try and nearly feed baby while they're asleep. So those LED lights are brilliant in that right. they just give a soft glow. And another one for the four socket extension. You're up, you'd be up to a six socket, six socket. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. And then large, uh, large underwear, extra large. So not the large size that you've been wearing, which is one or two sizes up during your pregnancy. You need to add another two sizes at least onto that. Um, and that's because you're going to be packing your, uh, if you're having a natural birth, you're going to be packing quite a lot of giant maternity towels in the those pants. So don't do what I did, which was just bring your normal pants that you were wearing during pregnancy. You, you need to go up a couple of sizes. Um, and then things like, you know, a cool water bottle uh, to keep your water uh, extra cold while you're in hospital. You won't have somebody, you know, to jump up out of bed and get your drinks. Uh, a thermal coffee cup uh, to keep your tea warm because invariably you, the you know, Laura, I, I nearly start <laughs> thinking you want to start packing about three days after the pregnancy test. Well, we are recommending, the baby boom moms are saying, you know, pack, start packing um, between 24 and 30 weeks of pregnancy. And it's actually starting to get organised. So baby boom have developed a hospital bag checklist and packing guide, which you can download from their website, which details all of the things that mom and baby should have, which bags to bring um, and, and how to pack those bags. And that's because... You know, we've got, uh, we've obviously we're in the pandemic, so we're not able to run to the shops and pick up things as easily as we would have in previous times. So you're going to be ordering a lot of stuff online. You want to allow for delivery delays. Then with Brexit, some of the items um, that might have been sourced from UK suppliers are out of stock. Some items you might not be able to get your hands on. So that's, that's another thing to bear in mind. Uh, so it's really about getting organised early. But there's some cute things to also pack for baby, which you might not think of. Um, and one of them is the very popular Baby Boo zipped cotton sleep suits. And that's so that parents don't have to, mum and dad, don't have to worry about trying to line up those very 
uh, annoying and um, complicated poppers. Oh, them little when you're yokes. I used to dress. hate them. I used to hate trying to fasten a child into them because as they get a bit older, they, but even when the newborn is about, but they get these kick. You, they do. <laughs> they kick and they, newborn babies hate getting dressed and undressed. They really, they cry as if you're, you know, putting them in boiling water. They really, they like to be cuddled and warm, so they really don't like to be disturbed. Come so here, how much is all this going to cost best. on average, Laura? Well, do you know, a lot of mums are spending a fair bit of cash in terms of, of kitting out their, their sleep, their maternity bags. And, and, you know, it's ranging between 200 and 500 euros. Um which is significant, but you've got to think, you know, not everything you're going to, to buy new. You might have that extension lead at home, one hopes. You don't have to run down to Woody's and order it. But um, but this, you're, going to be, you're going to be throwing away stuff too. You're going to be throwing away your underpants and the, the night clothes that you gave birth in. So you're going to be buying cheapy ones. Unfortunately, pennies don't deliver. Yeah. That's where lots of mums would have gone. But you'll be going to Dunn's or you'll be getting uh, borrowing um, old ones from friends. Then the baby clothes, lots of people do tend to borrow but when it's a you know when they're a little bit older but when you're bringing that brand new baby home you do tend to want to have the new uh the new vest the new sleep suit Let, let's, um, let's face it laura and i got the stat wrong at the very very start for which i apologize that's my fault nobody else's it's no wonder that they don't trust the men to put them to put the bag together because we wouldn't have a clue where where to where to start to be honest with you before i let you go um, the experts were saying that there'd be a baby boom this year because of lockdown. Now, I would have said that's because there's not a whole pile else to do. But but there is going to be a, a large number of births this year. Yes, uh, we're, we're predicting that we're going to be back up over 70,000 births this year. Um, and that's coming from, you know, a low of down around 60,000 um, over the last uh, year and a half, two years. Uh, and that's because of, like you say, I mean, the part of it is we've nothing to do and we keep ourselves amused and we've run out of Netflix shows. The other part is that we're actually that little bit more relaxed. I know we've got our COVID stresses, but we're spending more time together in a more relaxed way. We're eating better, hopefully. Um, we don't have the stress of the commute to work. Um, we've lots of anecdotal feedback to people who have been struggling um, with getting pregnant or with not being able to carry a baby to full term, that they're having, um, you know, good, successful pregnancies. Uh, and, you know, other people are saying, you know, it's an ideal time to start a family. If, if you're not doing anything else, if you're not going anywhere, you know, it's not such a big deal. You don't feel like you're missing out on the nights out. It's much easier to give up the alcohol, to eat more healthily when you don't have those external pressures uh, from friends and family to be, to be out on the weekend nights. Hmm. So, you know, it, it, it is something that people are saying, you know, maybe lockdown isn't the best time, you know, if we have the virus circulating, but there's hope on the horizon. The vaccine is here. We now know that pregnant women can get the vaccine. Um, and so it, it is it is a good time to start. Um, and certainly, you know, history would show that over the last 40 years, there's quite a significant link between birth rate and economic prosperity. So if you look back in the 1980s, we'd over 74,000 births. That was our first big baby boom. Then again, when when there was the crash, the recession after the Celtic Tiger, we were back up from 40,000 births up to 75,000. You know, we've had some good times recently. Of course, COVID has hit some industries particularly bad. So we're probably going to have to 
tighten our belts over the next the next 12 months at least and and usually during these times that's when when babies uh, start to be born and and we hear more pregnancy so yes anecdotally we're looking at over 70,000 births for this year that's certainly what the experts are predicting getting back to the um the bag laura before i let you go i think mary jane wins twitter for today she says by the sounds of this you'd need to start packing the bag when he's pulled up the zip (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 comedy gold (laughs) Laura always good to chat with you on the opinion Laura Erskine a parenting expert with Baby Duck Club yeah I tell you I wouldn't have a notion the bag it would be the size of a small army kit bag I say by the time you get everything into it 1850715996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1850715996. The number to call. The text to WhatsApp 083. 083- 396 96 96 email opinion at 96fm.ie remember if you missed anything in the first couple of hours of the program this morning we'll put the podcast up daily podcast of the opinion line available to you in the afternoon we'll first tweet the link as soon as the podcast is available and then that goes to all your individual platforms including the Cork's 96fm app and it is completely free of charge let us go to the front page of the examiner and indeed it's us on the echo today a story about people being duped into investment scams and the examiner reports Cormac O'Keefe their security correspondent reports that many people are losing their entire life savings and cites one recent case of a retired professional living in the midlands of the country who lost his entire pension and savings worth nearly a quarter of a million. And the Gardaí said that in the last year there's been a 120% increase in the number of investment frauds and that more than 4 million has been lost to various individuals. Graham Mulhern with Be Secure Online a good friend of the show. Uh, Graham, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Hi, PJ. Thanks for taking our call, Graham. You People always say, when we discuss something like this and when it appears in the paper, what kind of an idiot gets caught up in that sort of thing? But it can happen to anybody. Uh, yeah. Um, and with people addicted to their phones, and especially in lockdown, um, all that's happening here is uh, on the odd occasion people are not using their common sense and they are being taken advantage by criminals who are operating outside the EU and therefore beyond police reach and it's the easiest thing in the world to do because uh, they have all the time in the world uh, you can buy all of these criminal tools online you can buy the databases get all the fake phone numbers or real phone numbers and it's really easy to do and It just means that people have to be on their guard. If you're going to be on your device all day, use some common sense. Mm. Because we all know that the Nigerian prince letter is a scam and we all know that those don't answer that phone call that seems to be coming from some queer part of the world you've never heard of. But (laughs) it's when something comes up looking like an office number in Dublin. Yeah. Um, And I 
I, um, I, I've sat down, I actually sat down beside somebody at a meeting about a year ago, and it was the CEO of a firm, I won't say what type of firm, but he had just suffered a loss of £44,000 because uh, somebody in his office who worked in the finance department, not a big company now, by the way, an everyday firm, and they had got an email that looked like being from him when he was out playing golf uh, last summer. And without double-checking, and somebody was tired, didn't use common sense, wanted to be helpful, and uh, without checking, which they would normally do 20 times over, transferred 38,000 quid, or sorry, 44,000 quid. This happens every day of the week. People fall for this. Um, maybe they've had, uh, maybe they're tired, emotional, whatever, or had a drink, and they do something that they would never do fresh as a daisy first thing in the morning. And that's the difference. That's it's very important to not to to think. I I might, I might be a bit tired. Am I seeing this? If I look at it with fresh eyes in the morning, well, I wouldn't do this with a mi- in a million years. Yeah. Also, people being targeted, I think, through direct messages in their social media. Yeah, and uh, I'll uh, tell listeners the truth if they think that uh, when they hear me, oh, your man thinks he knows everything. Um, I don't. My own son uh, uh, gave in to one of those, and he spent a very anxious afternoon. Now, PJ, to be honest, I let it run a wee bit so that he'd learn his lesson, because I knew damn well that he hadn't done enough to actually give up his details, but I used it as a useful lesson. Um, he was with AIB and he got one of those messages and he got within, I would say, five seconds of releasing his password and that would have been... But I knew he hadn't by what he had done and what he had said. Yeah, cause But he spent I, I, an anxious weekend learning his lesson. I got two of those messages in the last week and I just delete them. Uh, the message is always, your, 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 your bank will never contact you in this yeah. way. But you're the great PJ Coogan. You'd never do that in a million years, you see. But, but the rest of us, we're not like you, but this PJ. Is the point, so this is the point that I'm making. This is the point that I'm making. And what I do is every time I delete one, I also photo it on my phone and I circulated it to my various WhatsApp friend groups and say, get rid of this is a scam. If you get yeah. this, delete it. But you're right. I, I'm in the lucky position where as part of my job, I learn about these things. What they're depending on is not me. They're depending on the ordinary Joe Soap who says, Christ, I better, I better get out of the bank. Yeah, that and um, it's, as, as they say in The Godfather, it's never personal, it's just numbers. They get millions of these numbers that are freely available on the dark side of the internet and they try their luck and they don't have to be successful with much more than a tenth of one percent. And uh, when, they, when, when they do get lucky, they make their money, but it's just a numbers game. And people do fall for it. And, I mean, people fall for that silly email about, we've been watching you and you need to give us a thousand quid in Bitcoin uh, through the camera lens on your phone. I mean, that works very successfully too. Yeah. The other one, is there a pattern to when there are big stories in, in the news, like, say, the GameStop shares there for the last month or so? Do they, do they target then for people who might want to think they can cash in on something like that? Um, I don't know if that's actually the case. I mean, it's 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 more the case that these gangs are operating, and um, they uh, it, this is pretty much constant. I'm not sure it has uh, peaks and troughs. They don't it's going on don't, all of the time. Um, these are these are industries. I mean, I've seen some of these businesses. There's a great website which I won't mention now, uh, but you can go onto it. And he is your man, Jim, has fantastic videos on it, and he's reverse engineered webcams into these places. 
and they treat it like a regular business. When somebody scores a big hit, they ring the bell and they pay bonuses. It's like a financial firm, um, except it's, obviously it's not inside Europe. Um, these people treat crime as everyday business. They don't treat this internet crime as, as a crime itself. They look upon it as their success. Mm, yeah, and I can almost see the comments starting to come in, Graham, and this is the bit I wanted to bring up. Like, what kind of a fool gets, get, gets parted from their money that way? Every day of the week, every type of fool, all of us, every day of the week, uh, Garda superintendents uh, and ministers of state and indeed ministers uh, get done every day of the week, as we know. So um, don't think that because you're the smart lad or you think you're the smart lad that you won't fall to this. Um, It doesn't matter what position you hold in life, you will be gotten by one of these eventually. Um, Those are just the stats. Um, you're much more likely to to uh, to get done online than anywhere else. I mean, uh, cybercrime now goes unreported because people don't want to deal with the embarrassment. I mean, the figures in the paper today in the Examiner are hugely understated. Yeah, um, think? But really uh, understated. Uh, wow. Hugely understated. I mean, uh, PJ, uh, you know, if a member of your family uh, was taken for four grand, let's say, are they really going to go down to the Garda station, although we all should? Mm. It is again, far Garda, worse than it's being reported. According to, according to the examiner, the Garda say, well, for an awful lot of the time, that money's gone and you ain't getting it back. No, of course it's gone. It's never coming back. And the banks, by the way, they're not taking any great uh, interest in trying to reverse this because they can't and they don't have the resources they spend their time giving us warnings. The days of refund, and it's important people understand, are over. Those days, four or five years ago, when your mother lost 1,200 quid because she accidentally did, you will not get down. If you could find a branch to talk to anybody and that would be a good thing to start with. Right. Um, and they're hiding behind their phones and they're not in the mood to reverse people's money back into their accounts so, anymore. If you lose it, it's gone. Yeah, so let, let's bring it down to the, the, the text message that purports to come from AIB with, say, yeah. the Bank of Ireland. Or you have the, the, the bank with and says, if you lose the contents of your account through one of those scams, the bank won't refund your money? No, of course not. And they will equally say to you, we told you to put uh, safety software on your machines and on your phone. You didn't. Um, We warned you that this was happening. We've put it on our website. We've put it out on adverts. We've done everything possible to tell you to watch out that you fell off your bicycle and you grazed your knee. That's to you. Okay, Graham. Thank you for your time. I know you're busy today. Thank you very much. That's Graham Mulhern from Be Secure Online. The reason that story is in the press uh, today is because this is the start of Fraud Awareness Week, uh, and uh, the guards will have a, a number of statements to make, a number of stories to tell, and there'll be quite a lot in the media over the course of the next few days. It is Fraud Awareness Week, and I can see it happening. It- Dropping in in the text messages, coming in in the tweets, only a fool would be part. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. People who think they'll never be caught are actually the easiest people to catch. Now, that's not Graham's quote. That's another expert that I had on the show recently. And I quote, people who think they'll never be caught or couldn't be caught are the easiest to catch. Be wary of that. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
And another thing as well that looks really good, it's a good one for the family, it's called Finding O'Hana. No, it's not said in Cork. Despite, <laughs> despite sounding like it's actually Hawaiian. Hawaii, eh? Hawaii, everything. <laughs> everything everything <laughs> Hawaiian sounds like Cork. It's like, Aloha! <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Lots of very, very positive comments about Kenneth, who I spoke to in the past hour about mental health and dealing with his mental health during the pandemic and before the the pandemic, but he was very much singing the praises of Pieta House and, and the work that they did for him and that in the space of a phone call, uh, he had an appointment within a week and then he had a 25-session uh, counselling course. 25 sessions of counselling, all provided for free by Pieta House, which is brilliant. Brilliant service. I was listening to the talk PJ had with Kenneth about mental health very brave man and fair play for being so open about it. Mental health is a fragile thing during COVID. We're looking at a mental health pandemic after the lockdowns are over, if not already. I've struggled myself off and on, but my main complaint is that the state isn't investing enough in mental health and the psychiatric and psychological support that are needed for people at the moment. Why are all the charities filling the gaps for something the state should be providing. It's a very old argument, Texter. Comes in all the time. But the fact of the matter is that Pieta House and many other groups like that, like the Samaritans, doing extraordinary work. Is it work the state should provide? Probably is. But at the same time, someone has to do it. So they're doing it. And Kenneth couldn't speak highly enough about the wonderful people in Piesa House. Again, a lot of people are saying how positive he is, how uplifting it is to listen to him. 1850-715-996 on Harry and Meghan and that interview. And again, this is a comment that's echoed many, many times, regardless of what they said, regardless of who the hell the Buckingham Palace racist is, regardless of the very sad story she tells about her mental health, which must be terrible for her. It must be very difficult for her and must have been a very difficult situation for the two of them. You have to you have to, to grant that. But Andrew says, PJ, hold on a while now. Harry and Meghan fled to Canada for a peaceful way of life, not to be under the glare and scrutiny of the world's media and the paparazzi. Yet, they now decide to do a two-hour interview on the world's biggest chat show to say that's hypocritical would, in my mind, be the understatement of 2021 so far. Which, to be fair, it does it does bear saying for a couple who left Britain to go and make a new life for themselves on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, for a couple who so wanted the privacy and wanted to be away from the limelight and wanted to be out of the glare of the cameras, and wanted to be out of the spotlight, and wanted just to be a family, which is a very honourable thing to wish for, and you could see why they would want it, they have a funny way of going about it. 
You can't argue with that. I mentioned at the top of the programme, and we went through the numbers, that today was a great day, or yesterday had been a great day in Cork, in terms of COVID-19 case numbers. Because yesterday, Monday, on the numbers from Sunday, look, we've explained this a hundred times, but do it again. The numbers published today are the numbers counted yesterday. So the numbers counted the numbers published Monday were the numbers counted Sunday. And we had our first zero COVID day, zero COVID being less than five cases. We had our first zero COVID day for many, many months in Cork. And our 14-day figure now per 100,000 of us is only 54 compared to the 9th of January when it was 1,442 per 100,000. In two months, we've just collapsed that wave. We haven't so much crushed the curve as battered it senseless. And now there's work to be done yet, but we are getting there. The last time I spoke with Dr. Neve Lynch at the Bonds, Neve, we were all a bit despondent, yourself included, as to where the numbers were. But but right now, it's working. We're getting there, aren't we? Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Um, yeah, we're brilliant, aren't we? It's great news. I'm so happy to see these numbers coming down like this. It's just, it's phenomenal. And like, Cork deserves huge credit for what they've done in turning this around. But we can't get too cocky because... No. Um, I would say at the end of the first wave we were sort of way ahead of everybody else and then things just kind of fell apart you know so we have to be careful still yeah like we're for, for, for the for a county of our population at the bottom of the table with Kilkenny and Kerry yeah. much smaller populations yeah. that shows that the people of Cork have really bought into this hard all it's really like a massive achievement and you know I'd love that Cork could beat Kilkenny at something so if we could beat them at Covid you know that would be nearly as good as beating them in hurling but yeah it's a phenomenal achievement now it's it's really interesting I think you can I've I've had to travel for work to Dublin and the the difference in adherence to guidelines is noticeable even on the street and in the shops here in Cork you know we're doing so well we're so good at wearing our masks we're so good at respecting social distancing, you know, the hand hygiene is phenomenal. Like, we're doing all of the things that we're being asked to do. We're following all the rules of the road, if you like. And it's really reflecting. I'm looking at, just as I'm talking to you now, I'm looking at COVID Hub and the map of Ireland, you know. Mm. And, you know, like, it's colour-coded, so the darker it is, the higher the incidence. And, like, Cork is beautifully pale. It's just fantastic to see it, you know. It's Mm. really massive achievement for Cork, yeah. It helps to lift the mood, but like you said, there's work to be done yet, but it does help to lift the mood. We've been told about the next announcement will probably come Good Friday with regard to restrictions and we, we, we'd like to think that by the time we get to Good Friday Neve, Cork would be would be practically at, at a zero rating but then do you know what will happen is if we don't get some of our lives back people will get cross again and, and they'll just say out to hell with it. Yeah so like I think you know, it would be really great if we could have a kind of a, a sort of a zone, you know, yeah. of low numbers. Like if you look at Munster compared to, you know, the other provinces, the numbers are low. You know, if we could travel within, even within our province, that would be brilliant. But I think the first step would be obviously allowing us to travel within our county. Yes. Um, I think the um, the introduction of the mandatory hotel quarantine and things like that will be uh, a very positive step as well in terms of keeping out new... Um, new variants um, 
but there is like there is a little still a little nub of COVID in Cork yes. um, and so you know I think if we continue to crush it then I think Cork will have earned you know um, it's sort of it's next level if you like it like it would have earned a step towards level four for example whereas I don't know that the same can be said for the rest of the country and I'm not sure if if they can be nuanced enough to allow you know the well-performing counties to sort of come out of lockdown a bit faster than the poorly performing counties I'm not sure how that's going to work you yeah, know yeah the despondency is is lifting but in a way it's been replaced by awful boredom with this yeah, I'm. You know, everybody. That's nearly as dangerous. Yeah, and uh, mental health is definitely suffering. You know, like uh, I'm really glad to see the COVID numbers falling, particularly. You know, not seeing children with COVID um, mm-hmm. anymore. Like, you know, they there was a few weeks there where we were seeing cases of children with COVID. No, they weren't terribly sick, but it was sc- a scary time for their families. Mm. We're not seeing that now, but. Personally, I am seeing huge mental health issues amongst children, um, and I've said this to you many times before. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that my my other colleagues in other areas, particularly oncology and cardiology, are really worried about is, like they said, we haven't seen the cases of cancer that we normally see. Where are they? Yeah. Where are all the cardiac diseases that we would normally see in the course of a year? You know, I mean, it's horrible to think that they're sitting at home afraid to go to the doctor or to the hospital and I'd really encourage anybody if they have any symptoms oh, please please get checked out because mm. we are facing a massive wave well, of I, I other suppose, things you know Niamh, we, we have had to address that with many of our, 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 our medical contributors to the programme over the last 12 months you know if you are sick the doctor will see you 100% 100%. And, you know, the thing about it is, like, uh, and it was understandable when the numbers were so high, especially the numbers in hospital, and, you know, we were hearing about outbreaks in hospitals and things like that. Of course, people were nervous about, you know, going into hospital and maybe maybe even getting COVID themselves, which would be an absolute nightmare. Um, but that's that's not the case, and it's certainly not the case now. And so, you know, I would really encourage people if they have any sort of a health niggle, something that's worrying them, something that's in the back of their mind, please go to your doctor because, you know, it could be the difference between getting an early diagnosis and getting a late diagnosis. And we all know what that means. And finally, coming back to the children, uh, mm. and, and again, like you said, they'll suffer far more mentally than they will physically. But a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to uh, Professor Mally Coyne, the, the psychologist, and she said, look, for the most part, they're going to be fine. We just need to mind them through it. Would you agree with that? I suppose I'm seeing the thin end of the wedge uh, at the hospital side. So I'm seeing the kids who are really, who have really suffered. Mm. You know, in the general population, I mean, I look at my own children. They're okay. You know, they're bored out of their tree, but they're okay and they'll be grand. But the kids, we are seeing increased presentation of eating disorders. We're seeing increased uh, presentation of severe mental health illness. Um, you know, children with very dark thoughts. And what age um, are these kids, Nick? Oh, uh, you know, oh gosh, like, I mean, you know, some kids as young as 10 with these kind of problems, wow. you know, so like there's, uh, and, and you know, they might be coming from difficult backgrounds, uh, they mightn't have the supports that the other children have, there might be all sorts of other things going in on in the background and then you put COVID on top of all of that and it's literally the straw that's breaking the camel's back, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we have to be very mindful of that and I do hope, you know, because there will be a mental health sort of, there'll be a lot of mental health work to be done after yeah. this in, in, in the young population and they'll okay. need a lot of support. Okay. All right. Listen, Neve, always a pleasure to talk with you on the opinion line. And I know you've got a clinic to go to, so I'll leave you go. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Neve Lynch. She's a consultant paediatric neurologist at the Bon Secours.
Hospital. 1850 But look, the numbers are great. They're really, really great. We just have to keep them there. Now, don't be surprised at all if they go up a bit today. Because like we said, the, the Monday numbers can be a bit shaky and a bit off. But if we get another less than five day today, we're making serious progress. If we come up a bit, that's okay too. But for now, our numbers are way, way down and crashing down. And on the mats this morning, I was doing them again, back of an envelope with the pen, half eight this morning. We can quite easily be down to what classes a zero COVID, which is single figures across those 14 days. We can be down to that by Easter weekend if we keep at it. What happens after that is not of our making. I'm just saying we can get there. We can absolutely get there. What happens after that is up to somebody else. 1850-715-996. Oh, this. And you know what? I, I can completely empathise with what this caller has experienced because in, your, in the middle of a crisis you never realise that it is eating the credit on your phone. Last night in Mallow the electricity went for about an hour or so. This listener called the emergency helpline number from his mobile as he needed to know when it would be back on because his wife uses a nebulizer. He was on the phone for a while waiting to speak to someone but never got to do so. Checked his credit afterwards and discovered the call cost him around 10 euro. It's an absolute disgrace that you end up paying that amount. Yeah, any of those 1850s and 1890s are the really expensive ones. 1850s, I think, are about the same as local call. But some of those, 18 anything before before, um, a number, there is a a cost. 1850 is like a local call. Uh, But 1890 is an expensive premium call. And it'll eat up your credit. Be careful about that. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie Simon Murdoch And the best music mix Weekdays from midday On Cork's 96FM Spend your afternoon with me I'll bring you all your favourite tunes Everything that's happening in Cork And all the things you need on your radio To get you through the day See you from 12 on Cork's 96 this is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, that 1850 number, any 1850 number, it's the cost of a local call from your mobile. Uh, and it comes out of your monthly minutes uh, when you make a, a mobile call. Eighteen ninety are the really expensive ones, but just be wary of them if you're going to be on hold for a long time. If you call us, by the way, and you want to contribute to the show, uh, what we generally do is phone you back. So we're paying for the call. So don't be a bit afraid of that. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Have you heard of the David Goggins charity running challenge? It's a tough one, but a lot of people are doing this challenge to raise money for charity, including uh, Paul Walsh. Good morning, Paul. How are you now, Vijay? All right. What is this 4x4x48 challenge? Well, it's a challenge set by an American, David Goggins. It's really, I suppose, about physical endurance, but also the mental sizing. So it's uh, 
get up at four o'clock Saturday morning, run four miles, do it again then for every four hours for the next forty eight hours. So we're we're fairly tired this morning. I'd say. So four o'clock in the morning you run four miles, back eight o'clock, twelve o'clock, four o'clock, eight o'clock, twelve o'clock, four o'clock, eight o'clock. Around the clock for two days. That's Around the clock, yeah. so. How long? How how many miles is that? Forty-eight miles with seventy-six kilometers in the, the two days. So fairly tough enough. That tear the legs out of you. Oh Jesus! Well, we won't be the biggest runners ourselves before us, but you know, it was tougher. Right? Yeah, and about how long would the four miles take you? Well, I suppose at the start we had a bit of the adrenaline rush, so they were taking about thirty-four, thirty-five minutes. But mm-hmm. as the the days went on. I say we're hitting the 45 mark fairly, fairly often. Yeah, yeah. So you did this for a specific reason? We did, yeah. Uh, we did it for the YSPI, the Youth, so, uh, youth Suicide Prevention in Ireland. They're a great uh, charity. They're actually based in Kerry, where I'm from. But um, we, we we just saw it through lockdown ourselves how hard it was just being isolated uh, at the start at home, but especially when you're missing out on college and stuff, it was just so difficult for us, even as we were living with our friends, but to think of people who were alone that needed this kind of service. We just had to do it, really. Yeah, yeah. And how much did you make? I'm looking at a GoFundMe page here. Yeah, we're uh, we're close to seven thousand five hundred. I think this morning. Yeah, seven so. seven three eight five. The last time we looked. Yeah, no, we're That's, very happy with it. And where will that go? Where where will you? You're all you're all you're all students at CIT yourself at and our um, Thomas and Connor and Mick and Sean and Ben. You're all students. Yeah, we're between UCC and CIT. We're all living together. Um, but yeah. We're just going to send it straight to the YSPI. We just we read up on a few charities beforehand, and we just saw the work they were doing. They're fantastic. Okay, we we've shared it on on Twitter to Thanks see very much. to see if we can do any better for you. Uh, let me see if I can find that GoFundMe. I can't off the top of my head find the GoFundMe that I can just get get, a, get an update on it. But as of this morning, when I looked at it, you had seven thousand three hundred and eighty-five in the yeah. bucket. To be lovely to be able to get you to get you to the seven and a half grand, wouldn't it? Oh, be fantastic. Look, we set out the goal, I think it was 1,000 euros was the starting point for us, and it just yeah. kept climbing. So, Great. Look, any bit of money for him is, is, it means a, a big difference to someone, so we're just happy to see coming in. So, when did you finish? We finished Sunday night at around 1 o'clock. Right. So, have you, have you, know, you recovered yet? Still recovering. A lot of ice bats still. You know, the, the feet <laughs> are a bit. sore, I'd say, would you? Very sore. Gee, we, we got some land. I say we were grand for the first four or five, and then when we sat down for dinner, Jeez, we were bait. It was very hard to get up for it again. That's right, yeah. The legs are going to lock into position and they're going, no, no, not again, not no. again. Oh, it was, do you know, that's where the, the group aspect of it came, though. So mm. we're, and I suppose it, it tied in with the, the likes of these services, what they're doing for the people. Yeah. Just to have, that, to have that support for us. You can only imagine what these charities are like for other people yeah. who need the, the help. Keep going on, keep going on. All right, Paul, congratulations uh, on that. That's Paul Walsh. They've done the David Goggins chat, which is very popular. It's an American idea. An extreme runner, of course, he was. But I mentioned you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So that's 12 four mile runs with about three hours between them. Better you than me. 1850 Up to nearly seven and a half grand, and it's going to the uh, mental health charities. 1850-715-996 talking about uh, the the bags the maternity bags and we were talking to Laura Erskine earlier this morning about how most women wouldn't trust one, 9 out of 10 women wouldn't trust their partner to fill their 
maternity bag and then she was going through the things that people normally put into or well people that things that people can put into their maternity bags these days everything from toilet paper to extension cords and god alone knows what else Moirad good morning to you how are you doing good you were listening to Laura I think I was yeah I was and uh, <laughs> only for me going through well I'm in truth. What do they call me? A lockdown mom. Right. Any any of my friends know that I had a baby. You know, we're all in the club with the lockdown moms. But uh, she went through an awful lot of things. And when I was listening to her, you know, I suppose I was kind of thinking of the women who are very anxious at the moment, PJ. You know. Okay. Okay. Like myself, I suppose six months ago. Um you know, trying to pack a bag and you're worried about this, that and the other. And I know she was probably, well, she was selling products about this zipper and, you know, the the, the poppers and, you know, packing a bag for 500 euros. I suppose, I'm not trying to be negative towards it, it's great, you know, that she went on and said it, but I suppose where I'm coming from is a lot of people don't have that money. Yeah. No. Well, I don't and think she ever said it was, it was compulsory no, no, to pay out that kind of no, money, you know. No, obviously not. And I suppose what I'm trying to highlight to people is, you know, a lot of people share, you know, baby clothes, you know, especially when they'll be just in them for a small amount of time. And, you know... As much as you're going to pick and fill and fill the bag, like I did for my first pregnancy, you don't end up using half the stuff. Mm. <laughs> and like, when, when, what was in your bag when you went in six months ago? Well, when I well, because it was my second pregnancy, I was able to slash it and <laughs> half the stuff, and I'd even slash it again um, if I was ever please God to be able to go in again. What? Uh, what they do is, you know, um, you'd have whatever four baby grow outfits, you know, and you'd have them in little separate bags, you know, so that they're easy to access. Uh, burping towels, I breastfed, um, so I had no bottles, no teeth, no anything like that. I had no dummies. Um, your breast pads, maternity pads, towels are the main thing. <laughs> and <clears throat> nice fresh change of clothes. You don't even hardly have time to go for a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, as in washing your hair, people bringing hair straighteners and dryers and all that. No, no. Do you think, and you mentioned the anxiety, and I suppose it's an anxious time at any time preparing mm-hmm. to go into hospital to, 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 to have the child. But I guess, like, for example, did, did the whole lockdown scenario, did it cause you to be a bit more anxious, even though it was your second child? 100%. What, yeah. were, you, what were you more uh, concerned about? I suppose... Even though I was going out and about and you still have to carry on with your life, as in going shopping and things like that, I would adhere to all the rules. I had a good support network from, she was in my bubble, my mother and my family. Anxious just about the unknown. Yeah. You know, the the unknown is it's what everyone is, is, is anxious about, really. I mean, people can say that... You know, you can be as safe as you want, but you still don't know, you know, how you, a lot of people don't know how they contracted it, you know, oh. COVID or not. And yeah. I suppose when you're bringing a new baby into the world, you know, the last thing you want is somebody to come in 
and I suppose to infect your family That's, or you. Yes, yeah, and you and, know what? Yeah. Even though the chances of it might be slim and everyone does their best to make sure it doesn't happen, it's always going to be at the back of the mind. Yeah, and I feel that, you know, when you have a baby, you're most vulnerable. So, you know, women should be listened to around that time, you know, and that's just what I was thinking, you know, you have your bag packed. If you don't have everything, the husbands can come to the door and the porter brings it up. You know, that's that's what I was trying to get through as well for the women. If you're packing your bag, look, if you forget, whatever, women are helping each other in the wards, you know, they, they'll pass it over, yeah. uh, you know. Don't, it, don't fret too much about it is I think what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if you have a pregnant friend or a pregnant you know, you know, somebody who's pregnant, you know, maybe pass a nice message on to them or, or something because, you know, it's 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 a difficult time, you know, and especially with the news that came out yesterday, it might only affect uh, the, the oh, yes. it, Yeah, it yes. might only affect a small minority, but for that one woman who's pregnant that you might know, she might think that that could be her, you know? Yes, so. yes. Yes, and and yeah. I think they're very anxious to to stress that it is rare, but at the same time, at the same time, um, it, it's it's something that will dawn on on anybody or to play on anybody's mind. Great call, Moray. Thank you very much for that. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. She had a baby during lockdown. It is stressful. It is more stressful than when she had her first baby. So just. Togabuggy and breathe, and people will help you. People will rally around. And if you forget something, you forget something, and someone can bring it in for you. Now, Laura was talking about people. <laughs> I thought some of the bags that Laura would be dealing with would be the size of a small army kit bag. But, but you know, Maureen's, Maureen's view is look, don't panic. It'll be grand. People will help you. There's a very unusual resident to finish out today. A very unusual resident uh, has set up home in Belly Cotton. A pink parrot, of all things, or a gala, living in Belly Cotton. Breda, I've seen the photograph. He's gorgeous. Where did he come from? We have no idea. He turned up last May in about two miles from Belly Cotton in a little village, tiny little hamlet called Belly and Dreen. Mm-hmm. And he's been there since, and he comes to Belly Cotton on the fine days. He's even been to Ballymaloo House for a visit. He's we don't know whether somebody's pet that escaped or did somebody set him free. We have no idea, but he's living his best life in Ballycotton at the moment. He's a native of Australia, a uh, yeah. pink gala, known otherwise also as a, a pink, a rose-breasted cockatoo. He's That's a beauty. It. He's gorgeous, beautiful, and he's in great condition for after surviving the winter in Ballycotton. As you know, we get very bad weather down here near the coast. Yeah. And he's after taking up with a, a group of pigeons who are after showing him the ropes. <laughs> so he's eating, sleeping. He's been seen sleeping, roosting in the sheds with them. So he's doing his thing. And no one <laughs> has any idea who owns him? No, we've put up posts. We've tried, we've got in contact with, in, with people in England. A good friend of mine, Gemma, who's big into birds, she got in contact. The only one that we could find that was missing a pink alert was somebody in Bristol. But no, it wasn't. Mm. So we have no idea. Did someone escaped. think for a while he might have come in on, on, the, on the ghost ship? Yeah. But <laughs> that was a bit of a joke. <laughs> so 
definitely didn't come on the ghost. <laughs> he certainly didn't fly all the way from Australia. I know. Like. No. And they're expensive birds. So, like, if somebody had one, you know, as a pet, like, they would be missing him and they would be looking for him. So we don't actually know. But he's thriving. Like, where they live in Australia, um, it can get down to minus five sometimes at night. So we reckon that he's just after adapting and deciding that he likes it here and here he's going to stay. And we have tried to catch him. Right. I've good friends in Animal Magic, Wildlife Rescue, Rosie and Dennis came down one night, pouring rain, up a tree in the rain and wind, <laughs> got about two feet would have been off he took. So that was our last attempt at, at trying to catch him. He just seems to be thriving. And local people are great here at Bellicott. Everybody keeps an eye out for him. And, you know, if... And he's after muscling in on the pigeons and they're looking after him. He knows he's what he's after, at, like. He actually, he's cute, yeah. He's very cute. So, yes, he hangs around with his buddies and eating potatoes and corn and whatever <laughs> he can find in the fields. <laughs> so and he's crazy. a big lad. He's a fair-sized. He, he is. He's about um, about the same size as a pigeon, maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. But he, as I say, like he is in great condition, so we're happy that he's after... And he yeah. will not be caught because we no, have tried. No, yeah. and no one's managed to get close enough to him, breed it. No, has no. he got a ring on him or anything like that? No, no, we can't see. Like we've had a good few people taking photographs, and we can't see any ring on his leg. So we don't actually know. It's a mystery. I contacted Fota, and a good few places to see, and no, none of them were could show, shed any light on where he came from. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. the most unusual thing to see. Listen, thanks, thanks very much, Breda. If anybody has, if anybody's missing a pink, a pink gala, uh, which actually in Australian strain, which is the Australian slang, it means a pink Aegis. But he ain't no Aegis. He's out to find a home for himself in Ballycotton, a rose-breasted cockatoo. Gorgeous bird. If he's yours, we'd love to know. Um, we'd love to know where he came from regardless of whose he is but he's, he's in Ballycotton and he's making the news he's eating spuds and he's living with pigeons and I'd say the cats are more afraid of him than he is of them great one Claire says her son Ryan Fielding and his friend Michael did the David, David Goggins challenge at the weekend they did 52 miles and raised money 5,800 euro for the Penny Dinners and Cork Missing Search and Rescue. Well done to you. I think we'll give the um, last word of the day to on the Meghan and Harry to who sent this in? I, 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 who, who sent in this original? This Yes, this was definitely the tweet of the day. It was Mags. Mags generally um, um, wins our tweet of the day quite easily because she tweets a lot. Mags said she doesn't know what to make of the interview, except it sounded like an episode of Jeremy Kyle without the missing teeth and the tracksuits. Thank you, Mags. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.